0: this podcast had dignity
1: i mean i mean i mean i
0: don't but it's tough to think about isn't it? it it was a dignified back when lilac did it all by herself and didn't have us tainting the good reputation yeah i mean she would really like if andrew took her to suplex city
2: <laughs> hey everyone spaceman hardy here before we get into the episode itself i just wanted to stop and thank you for sticking with us for over five years and 200 episodes none of us ever thought we'd get this far And it's because of guys like you that we keep doing what we do. We know the world is a pretty crazy place right now, even going so far as to directly impact the production of the very dubs we cover. We don't really know how this is all going to end, but in the meantime, we at Dub Talk are going to do our utmost to keep all of you informed, entertained, and encouraged throughout it all. On behalf of Stephanie, Megan, Noah Clue, Amandul, Jet, Roots of Justice, Zenith, Gigi, jamal andrew lack and myself as well as our editors jackson and margo stay safe stay at home wash your hands and let us continue to entertain you for another five years and 200 episodes to come as always otaku on my friends all right inmates, mates listen up and listen good because i'm only gonna say this once While you are staying here at the Dub Talk Penitentiary, we have a few rules for you flow-lifes to follow. These rules are as such. The Dub Talk Penitentiary is full of foul language and explicit content that is inappropriate for some audiences, so no inmates currently attending here will go exposing such content to younger listeners. Two... The Dub Talk Penitentiary is full of spoilers for any and all anime, so no inmates will go blurting them out to people who haven't finished the series yet. And three, the opinions of the warden, the guards, and all of the staff of the Dub Talk Penitentiary will vary widely, so no inmates will question the validity of said opinions. Failure to obey these rules will result in extreme, severe, and borderline inhumane punishment. Now! On your feet, maggots. Line up and form a row, because it's time for us to take you all
1: to school.
2: All right, you inmates, up and at a On your feet. Get oh, to it.
0: God, damn Get to man. it right now. Kill me now.
3: okay please
0: sir please you listen here maggot oh god it hurts listen here
2: maggots when i call your name when i call your name i want to hear a roll call is that understood
0: jelly donut is
2: that understood
0: yes sir
4: sir yes sir sir yes sir sir. sir.
2: inmate noah please don't are you present don't step on me again my
0: ass can't take it anymore
2: Inmate Jamal, are you present and accounted for?
5: I'm locked up, they won't let me out. They won't let me out. Can it, it with the Can it with
2: theatrics? Right here. Yes, sir. In, inmate Jet, are you Step present and accounted for?
3: On me, oh
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't don't tip me or I'll do it. All right. Did I say you could laugh? <laughs> <laughs> Did I? <laughs> it's hard not to, sir. And what's that I smell? I smell fresh meat. You, in the pug pajamas.
4: What, you what, must uh, be
2: the new guy. Uh, what's your name, new guy?
4: Uh, 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 I, 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 I'm I Roots of Justice, Hardy. I This isn't the hotel I signed up for. Where are we?
2: Oh, you're in the Dub Talk Penitentiary, and I'm your warden, Spaceman Hardy. And what I say goes. You understand that, inmates? Y-
4: y- yes, sir, yes, sir. sir.
2: So do you? Do you all know why you're here this evening?
4: N- no, you just kind no? of no, showed up on Skype, and here I am.
2: You're well, so- I'm about—I'm about to tell you. You are in here for various crimes as sabotaging sensitive subjects, various uh, inappropriate behavior, and for overall having a pretty shitty attitude. And so, to make up for your crimes, tonight you are going to assist me in reviewing the English dub of the 2015 summer comedy Prison School. Wait. Does anyone have a problem with that?
4: that that's Punishment?
2: Well, I mean, we're going to be reviewing a show about five horny boys, so I've assembled a team of five horny boys
4: to cover Okay, it. fair. Wait,
5: where's Andrew?
4: <laughs> I think the greatest that's punishment that's for that's Andrew, that's Andrew that's is that's not being on this episode.
3: That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Andrew. Inmate Andrew was out for good behavior. Yeah. Okay, you know what, Okay. you know what? I can't even play that screen. I'm he pretty, goes for bad behavior. He's terrible.
0: I'm pretty sure the only reason he's out is because he got in good with the CEO. And, you know, yeah. once you get in good with the boss, you, you can just do whatever you want. He's actually...
2: He's actually... Been
5: sleeping he's, actually
2: with the warden. he's actually guilty of crime so bad that he's in solitary.
5: So instead of sleeping with the boss, you sleep with the fishes, then.
1: Hmm.
2: But anyways... So, you might ask, what is Prison School? Well, you might ask,
5: Well, <laughs>
2: sir, school? I don't know the synopsis, sir. Well, I'll tell you then. Plot summary from ANN says, there was a time when the Hachimitsu Private Academy was a revered an elite all-girls boarding school on the outskirts of Tokyo, but a recent policy revision is allowing boys into the student body. On his first day, Kiyoshi Fujino discovers that he's one of only five boys enrolled at the school. Completely overwhelmed by the thousands of girls on campus, the few boys find that their situation is less than ideal. Basically, the too-long-dude-and-read version, the boys try to peek on the girls in the showers, and they get locked in a literal prison at the school campus, where they are subjected to torture and various demeaning... uh Demeaning acts by the underground student council. So, what do we have to say, inmates?
3: Uh, uh, prison school is a very odd. uh, Is a very odd show. What I was actually familiar with before the anime even started, I was uh, reading the manga back when I still like rode the high seas. So, yeah. Mm.
0: Dar har fiddly.
2: Hey, (laughs) hey, you watch it or I'll put you in for five more days because of piracy. I'm
3: sorry, I won't do it anymore. Well, I mean, I stopped doing it, but I won't do it again.
2: (laughs) All right. So, with that in mind, inmates, are we ready to start this thing off proper?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Is there anything special about this particular episode? I'm sorry? Is there anything special about this particular episode?
2: Oh, yes. It was one of our lost episodes because... Uh, we had some technical difficulties. We actually tried to record this five years ago with almost the same um, group, uh, but uh, but Jamal is stepping in for Zenith uh, this time. Uh, we tried to record this five years ago, back when it was brand new as a uh, as a uh, impressions episode when we were still doing that kind. And um, unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, and the episode ended up lost. And for our 200th episode. We decided we would bring it back. That's right. Dub Talk is down 200 episodes. Woo! Yep. Boy, that's Five years, 200 episodes. Can you believe it?
0: And And so tonight we are... And in all that time, they they still haven't learned to lock up the liquor cabinet in the Dub Talk studios.
2: Uh, No, No, they have they have not. Wait,
0: there's a lock? You would think they'd learn by now, but let me just tell you guys, if you're listening, Scotch tape and plywood does not a thirsty boy keep out of the liquor cabinet. There's a lock? Not Um, anymore. There was
4: a lock, Jamal. I found bolt cutters and that ended that.
5: I just went in and took the liquor, so.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you were smart going
0: in after the raid and you just got the good stuff afterwards.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So let's drop the act. Um, yeah, this is our 200th episode, and we're all we're coming together once again to re-record this lost episode, and um, and yeah, this time we're going to do it right, and we're going to do it where everything's going to come out right, and you guys are going to be in for a treat. So, uh, prison school. Uh, our ADR, let's start off with our ADR director and our script writers. Um, but we're not doing predictions this time? <laughs> Unless you want to, unless you can magically pr- remember what you predicted last time,
0: I gotta admit. I, in preparation for this episode, I went back and tried to find my notes from that original recording from five years ago, and I have notes from like way long ago, from like the Dramatical Murder episode and back to that far, but I could not find the Prison School notes. They have those also have been lost to time. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I probably did. I probably did make predictions for this. I just couldn't, for the life of me, remember what they are.
2: Did you uh, did you ever make them down at the fandom post? Did you
3: um, I probably did, but uh, that would require a lot of scouring and I presume we don't have time for that. So I feel yeah. like yeah. that anyway, might have actually been
4: pre-fandom <laughs> posts. That may have been back in the mania days.
3: Oh, no, no. Fandom post was still around back then. Uh, I've been using Phantom uploads ever since like 2011.
5: Ah, so. I'll I'll be honest. When this show first came out, I didn't expect it to get dubbed, but here we are. <laughs> no,
3: uh, sorry, um, sorry, sorry, no yeah. I, I, I expected the show to get a dub. I, I, remember specifically thinking I wanted Funimation to get this show, and uh, I guess that was
5: a bit of a double in sword in hindsight. I saw yeah. four <laughs> episodes of this in the sub. I was like, wait, this is getting dubbed. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it was a surprise because this was I think the third round of simul dubs that had come out. The first round was just Cycle Pass Two and Laughing into the Clouds. The second round had a bunch of different shows, um, but they double t- d- a double talk focused mainly on Assassination Classroom, Tokyo yeah. Ghoul, Route A, and Death Parade. And this was the third round, I believe, where it was mm. Gangsta and Sky Wizards Academy, and then this show, and that was way back in 2015. So. It's kind of a landmark, and um, we tried to record this originally when it was new, and that didn't happen. So now we're coming back to settle the score. It's come full circle once again, and uh, and let's do this. Yes. Let's, let's record Prison School, finally, after five years. We're going to do it right this time. Okay.
0: Take us off, right. Headmaster Hardy.
2: All right. So for our ADR director and our script writers, ADR director is Sunny Strait. Uh, he has directed shows such as Rage of Bahamut Genesis and Servamp. Our script writers are Jamie Markey and Tyson Reinhardt. Markey has directed shows such as Panty and Stocking and Spice and Wolf, and Tyson Reinhardt has directed shows such as or written for shows such as 18 If and and, uh, Did You Know There's a Girl Online? So uh, (laughs) Let's
0: get the You, you You guys hear that? Yeah, that's the sound of Megan just howling at the moon at the mere mention of that. Smashing the nearby mirror and looking straight into the camera going, Why you betray me, Hardy? Why? And the mere mention Anyways, of Neto so- Gay
4: makes my soul leave my body.
5: <laughs> Fitting. I- Honestly, after watching how Did this show, I'm kind of desensitized to Neto Gay. So.
2: <laughs> Anyways, um... Do we want to go ahead and get the elephant out of the room? Because I know that this part right here is going to be a little bit contra controversial.
3: Um, uh-huh. Sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, Inmate jet. Do you want to start us off?
3: Well, sure. Uh, so this stuff came out around the early days of Funimation Simul Dev era. And of course, as we mentioned, it was one of the earlier projects that he straight worked on. Uh, back when they put him fr- in the director's fr- chair for the first time in several years, because he, he did do some stuff, like, way, way back when, like, early 2000s. Uh, but uh, with all that in mind, I remember that I was kind of hard on it until uh, Rage of Bahabu. And then it wasn't too big on how he handled the show back then. Uh, but revisiting the dub now, I think I was maybe a little rough on him. Uh, well, I take uh, serious issue with how one character in particular was directed the sound, uh, for the most part, the vocal direction for this show is pretty sound. on. Everyone is pretty decently casted. Uh, and they all sound generally very dramatic and over-the-top as it's fitting the source material. So i that not I don't have any complaints. Uh, what kind of dates and stuff for me and my extension ru- kind of ruins it is it the that script. Now, um, I'll let everyone else bring up the elephant in the room. Uh, I mean, we all know the elephant in the room left a pretty giant turd, but uh, they were pretty sensible about this and they eventually got rid of the elephant and the giant turd. <sighs> Uh, the problem, though, is that even though the giant turret is gone, the smell was always kind of there to begin with. And, uh, okay, I know it's kind of a weird analogy, but to get at what I mean, I feel like I kind of have to explain what the actual joke is with this show. Uh, while this show is very stupid and, unapologi- and unapologetically stupid, uh, most of the actual humor here comes with the fact that no matter how violent the slapstick is or how ridiculously silly any given situation gets, it is always treated 100% seriously in-universe and the characters react to it that way. And I'd say that maybe 70% of the time the adaptive script gets that, pretty well and rolls with the material. Uh, but then the other 30% of the time, it's either cranking up how crude the dialogue can be or adding an extra sex spot to pop culture references. And uh, while I'm pretty okay with the crude factor getting ramped up a bit, since I mean, it's not like it wouldn't mess with the material, uh, I, feel like, uh, I feel like Jamie and Tyson didn't have a really good sense of where it worked and where it didn't. It's funny that across nearly every character kind of downgrade the overall joke a little bit. And then the problem with the extra sex part that the pop culture references are kind of self-explanatory, since, again, the joke here kind of generally hinges on the characters reacting to everything dead seriously. Uh, so when you have some of the characters, and one character in particular, doing that sort of thing almost nonstop, it kind of breaks the flow, uh, and, it, and it kind of dates it up a little bit overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like uh, I didn't think that Jamie Tyson quite got what the show was going for. I mean, to see, I mean, to be fair, it's easy to see why they wouldn't, because from the outset, it looks like this isn't really aiming to be anything more than a silly fan service show. I mean, and it is at least partially aiming for that, because uh, the story behind how the manga got started is kind of amusing. Uh, because the, because before doing this manga, the author had originally done some manga about like a jazz musician who sold his soul. Uh, but apparently, that didn't do well, and his editor suggested he do something more mainstream like fan service. So, so this was effectively him going. You want fan service? I'll give you fan service, and that's how we got this show. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
4: but it's really funny about that story because um, me and the Devil Blues the the manga Jed had mentioned from this author um, it actually won like Hugo Awards, if I recall correctly. Like, it was very critically acclaimed. But in Japan it just Didn't particularly sell very well Because it's Like it is deeply rooted In the sort of folklore Of the American south And that's sort of I don't know if that's a thing that Japan would really Get behind I mean I've read the manga it's really good But I just love that The author's response to Oh yeah just make another series with more Fan service and I can just, I can just hear him, the author, just being like, "You that... want fan service? You want fan service? <laughs> I'll give you fan service,
0: and I'll in, give you
4: all oh, the fan service."
0: W- distant world of Japan. In the distant world of Japan, another, cur- another finger of the monkey paw curled.
3: that yeah? So, yeah, so I fe- yeah. So I feel like the really amazing part of this entire thing is that. You, is that you can? Is that you can never really tell which stuff is, act, is the offer is actual fetishes and which stuff is just him trolling with you?
4: <laughs> I think the answer to uh, all that. of that is <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, to get done here. <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, Roots. What are your thoughts on the dub?
4: Yeah. So I'm. i mean,
2: of oh, the director and script. Right.
4: Right. Right. I, I largely agree with Jed on this one. Um, in terms of the direction, it was very solidly cast. Um, performances were actually really great. Um, and for the most part, the script writing actually worked to the show's favor in the more in a bit of the more abstract slapstick kind of way, I I feel like the adapted script writing played on the sort of cartoonish aspect of the show, and that, to an extent, that worked in a different way than the Japanese version, which played everything completely straight and serious. Um, that said, that line which I, I don't think we're oh, actually is. going to repeat. But you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Um, I disagree with its use, mainly because, number one, it dates the show a little more than I feel like it was meant to. Uh, just because, you know, it's what that line was referencing is still a little bit of a thing today but it's not nearly the kind of it is within our lexicon as it was in 2015 and coming back and revisiting the show uh, knowing that it was there and quickly replaced within I think it was like two or three weeks that that line was taken out but um
3: is that, yeah uh, I think they eventually replaced it with something that was close enough to what the original line was to begin with. Yeah, I think the right.
4: uh, the line was switched to something about um, being a hipster, which still that's that's mm. a word I have not heard used since 2015. But at the same time, like that's a little bit of a <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit of a better dating than you know the previous line because this feels a little more Are, like I- a, a Steinsgate.
2: I think, I think it was actually replaced by, don't you know, you're not supposed to talk about your upperclassmen like that. I think the hipster joke was in Nakopara.
4: Okay. I couldn't remember exactly yeah. which episode it came in, because um, Funimation does have the simulcast version of the episodes available. And...
3: Yeah, I. oh... Uh- Oh, uh I remember. I mean, I don't remember the exact episode. I just remember the exact scene.
5: Yeah, it was uh, episode six.
3: yeah? It was, said, yeah, uh, it was yeah, yeah. It was the scene where Anzu and Jigo were talking mm-hmm. when they first met.
4: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I had watched both. The line is gone. So that's
5: all I'm gonna say.
2: Okay. Uh, inmate Jamal, would you like to go next?
5: Uh, yeah, so pretty much prison school is a dot comedy if you will. I'm not gonna say black comedy. It's a dark comedy. It's class with cl- it's class with crass. It's basically if you put super bad uh if you put super bad assassination classroom and the Shawshank redemption combined. The the cast here was pretty stellar. I you can definitely tell they kinda well, not out of the box with the cast, but out of the box with how the actors had to portray the characters, which kind of leads into the script writing because, you know, it's a show with no subtleties whatsoever. And yeah, they de- they definitely went out of the box with the writing. I mean, yeah, it sounds one lie, but thinking back on it, I watched it two times over the last week. I, given the setting and the scene that happened in, I see the context, but you could have picked a better wording for it, you know, like, I mean, that was not cool. As a matter of fact, the, I watched the episode in the up that day, and then the next day I heard about this controversy, I'm like, what happened? He's like, well, well, something happened in this episode. I'm like, Wait, what happened? I watched the episode and everything was fine. And to someone who doesn't understand that context, like, for reference, just type the seventh letter of the alphabet twice. For, uh, for anybody who doesn't understand that context, f- to someone that who's apathetic like me, like, I wouldn't get it right away. And even to this day, I kind of understand what it is, but it still doesn't make any sense to me. But even so, you kind of gotta pick your words wisely. You can only do so much with script adaptation. But other than that, I think everything really went out of the box because I enjoy like, some of the crude humor the show provides. Especially when, you know, JC Staff was at the peak of this animation. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see, uh, we got dick-billed platypuses, fat fuck, uh, I, don't <laughs> give a fu- fu- I don't give a fly fuck shit nuts, uh, Fuck your sorrys, but you get, but you get my point. It it, it, <laughs> it, it really fits for what the characters call for, what for what the show calls for, definitely. And that's all you really have to say. Yeah, um, that's what I appreciate no most
4: about the adaptive script writing was the creative profanity.
5: It's like uh, I was back in high school again. <laughs> it's, uh,
3: that was kind of hit or miss for me, personally. Uh, like it, it, dep- it, dep- it depends on which characters are saying it.
0: I think we can agree that there's one character that took the cake for profanities the most throughout the entire show. And, um, yeah, whether or not you like them or not, it kind of depends on whether you can get down with um, h- how many variations of swear words, of um, referring to someone who craps their pants, and how many other uh, variations of that you can get. And the thing to keep in mind about this uh, dub is that this was a simul dub, so this wasn't the kind of project where they had a long gestation period to figure out ways to adapt the script. Um, They could have gone the the more straightforward route and just adapted the original subs into something that was, you know, more or less equivalent to the Japanese, and that goes for the casting as well. And we'll get to the one character.
5: Can I I interject something you said there about the script writing? Because I know... uh... Uh, one of the actresses, she was explained to me, uh, she was explaining about the side process. They said that they u- kind of used this to like gauge audience reactions, so mm-hmm. at times. So, depending on that, kind of determines like how things change for the final whole video release. So,
3: yeah. Yeah. It is kind of interesting looking back that while that one line was changed, uh, there were a lot of similar references, there were a lot of similar pop culture references. That were still in the final product.
0: Somehow. Oh, oh, definitely. So. Like one of my favorite, my, I'll just pick one favorite pop culture reference as as a, a microcosm of this entire dub. So the main character Kiyoshi is fantasizing about getting together with uh, his crush Chio, and he says, and I quote. Look out Jay we're coming for that. I knew that um, was coming. Yes,
3: yes, I, yep. I remember that one from when I saw it at a time when I kind of hated it then. And I still <laughs> think it really should have been there now.
0: For those yeah. of you kids, not in the know, that is a reference to Jay-Z, the rapper and famous pop singer Beyonce, who are indeed a couple. So just in case you needed context for it's, that. It's it's it
2: still makes more sense than the Arthur Fonzarelli reference. A,
3: oh yeah,
5: that would up to you. Yeah. well, well shego kind of does look like a gangster with that hairstyle. So, yeah, I mean, we're but I like- highly
2: doubt that Anzu has ever watched Happy Days.
0: Hey, in I've Japan. watched Happy um, Days. I don't know. Okay, I, I, to my understanding, that was actually pretty successful in Japan, mm-hmm. but that maybe, uh, maybe uh, not for this generation. But. Um, the point being is that, yeah, for if you're down for the adaptive script versus the original Japanese, because I know a lot of people cry foul when anything is changed in English um, that doesn't match one-for-one one to the Japanese, and this goes with Sonny's directing as well. The thing is that this is a show about high schoolers in prison in their school. Now, I don't know about what your high school experience was like, but I don't feel like that's really equivalent to anything that any of us had to go through. I mean, I didn't wear prison wear. I didn't get locked in a jail. I didn't have to do menial labor at behest of big-bosomed, high-heel-wearing, crap wielding psycho That's bitch. just the author's so
5: fantastic version of internal suspension. That's what it is.
0: Even then, that seems a little extreme. But then again, I, I didn't go to Japan, so maybe the Japanese school system is a little more extreme than we're used to in America. But well, you do have cram
5: schools, not
0: they do. So uh, with that being said, um, I like I like this tub. Um, I I like that um, it play, it does not play totally straight. Like I, it's definitely funnier than the Japanese. And it, it uh, be- <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> to, to me, to me personally, to my one self versus the seven eight billion people out there, I thought it was funny. And I'm sure there's some people who disagree with that because it may have tried uh, too hard to go for the dark comedy thing. So I guess uh, we'll discuss when we get to the characters about whether or not that really works overall, but would I recommend this? Like, just to cut to the chase here, I would recommend this. I'm not sure if it would stand up to repeat watchings once you've heard all the best material, but I do recommend it at least once. And I don't regret watching it a second time for this recording.
2: All right. Well, to keep things rolling, I'm just going to be real brief and say, in general, I like this dub. It does have some problems with the script. Um, and one particular, uh, casting choice was questionable, but we'll get to that later. Um, so yeah, I had a fun time with it, watching it for a second time and watching it uncensored now is a whole nother experience <laughs> yeah. to <into Yeah>. itself <laughs> because we, we, most people don't know this, but when it would aired in the the a lot of the profanity was actually censored. It was bleeped, uh, for double talk. But now that it's like in full glory it's just some of these lines are just jaw censored. dropping like oh my god you can definitely tell that this was written by the same person who was panty and stocking so yeah at least there was no mention of smegma right Jamal
5: oh, <laughs> fuck you
2: <laughs> moving on to our first group of characters we've got a couple of good girl characters and we've got the principal of the school. So our first character is Chio. She is the younger sister of the head of the underground uh, um,
0: student council. Oh,
2: student council. Right. Yeah. Uh, she is the main character. Kiyoshi's love interest. She loves sumo. And she thinks that anyone who likes sumo can't be all bad. So she's always willing to kind of uh, give Kiyoshi a little bit of slack when he's, um, when he's not always up to acting that great uh our second character is anzu she is a upperclassman of the boys uh she is originally sent to send uh to uh to set shingo up as sort of a mole uh but she eventually um she eventually uh switches sides and helps the boys out near the end and she becomes uh shingo's love interest later on and finally we have the chairman of the academy
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you got to describe and, uh, them in his speech pattern yes and there's
2: <laughs> one thing that <laughs> the chairman loves more than anything else But <sighs> booty booty no ass 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 <laughs> ass, 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 yeah. ass, he ass, ass, ass he is definitely he is
0: definitely
1: he
2: is definitely a fan of the uh, of the uh, the derrière and uh, this causes an immense amount of grief between him and his daughter, again, who is the head of the Underground Student Council and Chio's sister. So, playing these characters, playing Chio, we have Kristen Maguire, who has been in shows such as The Helpful Fox, Senko-san, and uh, That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. Uh, we have Anzu, who's played by Colleen Kligebeard. Who you may know as Momo Yayarozu from My Hero Academia and Urza Scarlet from Fairy Tale. And playing the chairman, we have Smokey Delang, who goes way back to the ADV days from such dubs as playing the dog in Pumpkin Scissors, and he was also in the dub, the old Houston dub, for Rony Kenshin Trust and Betrayal.
3: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
2: anyways, uh, starting off, Jet, why don't you start us off?
3: Okay, sure. Uh, well, I do not want to sound like a sour puts a whole night, so I'll get my negatives out of the way here first. Uh, when the oh. Sun first came out, I wasn't really a big fan of Kristen McGuire's Chew, and having revisited this years later, I honestly still don't really like it that much. Uh, I know she's definitely improved by many leaps and bounds as an actress over the years, and over the years but uh, she sounded really kind of flat for the first three episodes... And Ronji does a decent job of making Chio, you know, seem very sweet and nice, her delivery never quite clicked for me. And while I did think she got a little better towards the back half of the show, it was probably one of the weaker performances in the show, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I guess to also be fair, I don't really like Chiyo much in general. Uh, partly because her personality never really extends beyond being the quote-unquote nice girl even later into the manga. Uh, but also because her whole relationship with Kiyoshi is kind of based on him making flat-out lies that she never quite pieces together. And in general, I'm just a much bigger fan of QZ's very, very strange dynamic with Hada. Uh, so uh, moving on to Colleen with Anzu, again, ignoring that they got rid of the elephant in the room. I think that Colleen's performance here was very solid. Uh, playing mature teenagers isn't anything new for her. Uh, but she did do a great job of making Hada sound very relaxed and down-to-earth compared to the other girls in the show. And once he felt guilty about deceiving Shingo and almost getting him expelled, I believed it, and it, you know, it helped to keep it in the stakes of the show, quote-unquote, dramatic. I mean, but of course, as solid as Colleen was here, the big out here, and of course, one of the biggest of the dub, if we're being honest, is definitely smoking delays as the chairman. Uh, well, again, I felt like the dub script as a whole didn't quite get the joke for the show, at least as far as the chairman was concerned, it was definitely pretty spot-on. And old Smokey here did a really great job of making his chairman sound very deep and dramatic, even though his fans really half the show failed to hide his butt fetish form from his daughter. I mean, seriously, I'm not here to kink shame anyone, but it's called not safe for work for a reason. I mean, at least use it on your phone instead of your computer.
0: (laughs) I mean, if if the first episode's bath scene wasn't a safe indication, I I don't know what else would be.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I especially liked his delivery during the scene where he's wondering whether or not to give the boys an extra day to save themselves, and just how so <laughs> cold and sort of voice is when he's asking see whether he likes boobs or butts, and though it's a matter of life or death. Uh, that was definitely one of the funniest things in the whole show, and it really showed how well Smokey had a grasp on his character. Uh, but of course, it's impossible to talk about this performance without talking about all the dramatic pauses he takes between sentences, and I have to give prompts not only to Smokey's perfect delivery for every single one of those lines but also to the mixing team for how much they really sold the extra emphasis on them. Uh, it's kind of a shame Smokey doesn't have too many other credits to his name, but maybe we'll hear him again someday, somehow. Uh is an old guy in My Hero Academia that sounds like a dead ringer for him, but I don't know, maybe I'm just <laughs> being crazy here. Uh, anyway.
2: <laughs> okay, Roots.
4: Uh, yeah, so this was probably one of my first exposures to Chris McGuire as an actress. Um I was kind of okay with her chio. Um it really I don't think it was a bad it was sort of in that in that middle ground I'd say. Um I won't say mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I definitely didn't dislike it. Um but for all the interactions with um, with Kiyoshi that um, Chio gets, um, there really isn't much that amounts to her character. So um, I really don't. It was fine, I guess.
0: But when Sorry, you say just... fine, you you mean like it was just okay, or do you mean she
5: was fine? Point. Or do you mean like she just sends it with a coffee bug and everything's on fire?
4: No no no. I, I don't <laughs> it's it's not the, the Casey Green this is fine kind of thing. It's it's just you know, it worked for the character, but the character really didn't have all that much to do, even though it felt like the show wanted to give her more to do.
0: The very end like, of the show
3: uh, uh, Yeah, towards the very end of the show And she gets one good joke In the back half of the manga And, and that's kind of it
4: Yeah <laughs> Like, there is Maybe one One, maybe two characters Who actually, like Get a major improvement With the material the manga didn't cover um, one of them that we'll get to actually—you mean the anime didn't cover? That sorry, yeah, the anime. Um, one oh. of the characters we'll be talking about a little later um, got a major improvement in an episode that we did not get because it got bundled with the manga.
0: Oh joy! A moment of sight. Let's pour our cups. Let's pour our prison cups for all those great OVA episodes that we'll never get. Because they're bundled with the manga. I'm looking at you, uh, Mikey Academia. I'm looking at you, yeah, school road.
5: I've got wide. Looking-
3: I'm, 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 like, I'm, I'm especially looking at you, Kenita, the Money <clears throat> Like, seriously, you missed like <laughs> the entire second half of the manga because they were bundled with Because it was OBA's bundled with the manga.
4: Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um calling Klingon Beards onto. Again, I thought it was fine. Um, didn't set the world on fire, but really what the character had to do, the performance really didn't need to. Um, I do like the more dramatic point um, after she revealed herself to Shingo and all that happened, and she decides to um, to help Anzu or uh, to help Chio uh, break into the prison office to help take care of the file transfers. That was the big dramatic arc of the second half of the series. Um, I like that dramatic turn. Um, but I think we're just here in this segment to talk about Smokey Delange as a chairman. Like, he is deliciously over the top. um, The man is unabashedly horny, which ends up saving the boys. Um, I thought Smokey was hilarious, Uh, especially the sort of dramatic the dramatic overemphasis of the last word of every sentence. i feel like that would be good asmr right there anyway (laughs) anyway i i thought um don't you mean
0: ass mr noah get in the corner okay i'm okay get back in the cage i'm gonna go beat myself now okay and no juice anyway as you were saying anyway um okay
4: I, I thought Smokey was absolutely hilarious and over the top, and it, it was just—it's definitely one of the standout performances of the show. I—I I absolutely love it to death.
2: Uh, Jamal, you're next.
5: Okay, so let's start with uh, Kristen. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say after right bat, you can kind of tell Kristen was kind of new here because I believe this was one of her earlier roles, this, and the uh, Assassination Classroom. As a matter of fact, I was watching four episodes of this in the sub while I was waiting for Assassination Classroom, so that when I was shocked it was getting the dub, I was like, huh, I'll be damned. So, yeah, the way she portrays Chio, it kind of makes sense because Chio is kind of this naivete to her, so his a disposition was kind of needed, and, yeah, it does seem a, a little bit off-putting, but that's what the character kind of calls for, and I, I kind of like the, cause I'm gonna have to disagree with her, I kind of like, kind of like the report she had with Kiyoshi, because the report Kiyoshi had with Hada really makes me uncomfortable, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. She did what, she doesn't get as, as much to do here, so, but what she does, it's kind of in, impressive, really, and, Especially why I've seen her later stuff, too, so. Uh, Colleen Clinkybeard is Azu. Yeah, you i know, would hear her play teenagers after, but she does, you know, she's always impressive, Yeah, you know, matches. she manages to play that youthful, up, that youthful quality of the voice, but I also noticed there was one type of voice I'd never really heard before. Uh, that was an episode of love when, uh, she gets interrogated by Mako, and Mako just stuffs out her buffles with her buff. And you oh. can hear.
0: Oh, Jamal. We're trying to be classy around here.
2: Well, I mean, she did have to face the music.
5: You're not wrong. Yep. Could you tell this yep. manga was written by a guy? It's not her fault she got a face for of coochie. What can I say? <laughs> no. Oh, it's my, oh, it's my a friend of mine once said, that? Chocha, Yeah, boy. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: oh the, the girls are gonna kill us when they
5: hear this episode.
0: <laughs>
4: oh, boy.
5: Dude, the <laughs> girls are the one to put us in this cage, man. Anyway, my, back to my point. Yeah, I never, when well, you start to hear it in a thought, she uses a different type of voice I've never heard before. I thought it was really impressive, and, Especially when she helps especially when they help she helps to break the guys out. I thought that was really impressive. But of course the standout here is a uh, smoky delay because he has this kinda raspy guttural tone to his voice. I guess that's why his name is Smokey. And the overemphasis on uh, every last word in the sentence <laughs> I don't know what the context is for that, but that is impressive and it de- it was definitely needed for those kinds of scenes where you kind of face the boss, I guess.
3: Yeah, uh, it was some carryover from something the market, did. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was some kind of strange pattern.
5: So I can't help but feel with these situations the guys have to encounter that he feels a bit like a giant <laughs> plot device because you know he he's that pretty much drives Maui's motivation to get the men kicked out of campus and refers to ed policy. But he's also the one that essentially helps the guys escape the prison. So I mean, depending on how you feel about that, it's not gonna it's not gonna dilute his performance. It's very strong and that's really all I have to say. So mm-hmm. Noah. Okay, can I come you out of the, the cage?
0: now. Please, please oh, th- you, I'll you
2: thank for you. For now.
0: I was seeing stars in there. I was drawing my own diary. It was getting really maddening in there. I was this close to crawling through a mile of shit just to escape. Um, back on that topic though, um, I feel like uh, all, a lot of this manga is trying to remind all of us what was it like to be back in high school. What was it like before? You know, we had any encounters with the opposite gender when we were still kind of starstruck because our hormones were ruling our whole body. So in that sense, Chio's involvement in the show as the reason that. Kiyoshi would even attempt to try to break out of prison knowing full well that doing so will result in an additional month sentence for everyone totally makes sense. And they do that by in the original Japanese portraying her with a more stereotypical moe voice um which doesn't quite translate to the art style because this art style isn't the cuter moe kyoani style it's it's more on the the gnarlier uh grosser side which allows it to get some of those scenes where it does get very gross but uh in translating that to English, we don't really have a really great English version of the Moe voice. We have cute actri- we have cute voices from actresses who do it pretty well, but it's hard to pull off really well without sounding like overly chipper, like overly care bears-y. So I'm really glad that Kristen did not try to go that route with Chio. Like she gave her a more, um, I suppose, a girl next door voice that uh, sounds, yeah. you know, a little. A little less bright than some of the other girls, but it's more down-to-earth. And hearing her uh, kind of chew out her dad and her sister for throwing the boys in jail, and also for her sister for essentially plotting to get the boys thrown out is the more dynamic thing that she gets to do throughout the show. And I think Kristen did all right with that. Again, that's the most dynamic thing she gets to do in the show. And like I said, I preferred Kristen's take on this as opposed to the more moe voice that the Japanese uh, Seiyu originally did. Um, Moving on to Colleen. I don't think I've heard Colleen do this, uh, not snotty, but more uptight valley girl kind of voice before i'm used to her as her adult as her adult voice or her like really low voice um or contrast that of course with luffy from one piece um so this is again a kind of a voice i don't think i've heard from her before and i think she did a pretty good job i actually i believe when i first watched this i could have sworn it was jamie i didn't realize it was colleen until i read the credits so on again it's not like she gets to do too much out outside of the main plot but i do like that they add that dynamicism in there to show that not all of the girls in the campus are so uh, I, I suppose hate boys so much because there's kind of the stigma throughout the show that the boys are in a losing situation because all girls in that school are kind of um conditioned to dislike men in general which yes we are awful creatures and let us not Uh, try to deny that, but maybe not to the point that uh, they're ostracized within the show itself. Like, even before the boys get thrown in prison, they're secluded to their own table at the lunchroom, they're basically treated as outcasts before they even break any rules. Uh, Speaking of breaking all the rules, oh my god, the chairman! Um, Let it be said that I am not a fan of authority figures misusing their power to harbor favors or use their leverage to, you know, break the law essentially which they had, they kind of address that in the very last scene of the final episode where he's like yeah you know we really should i shouldn't treat my daughter right or give her special treatment just because she's my daughter to prison you go spoiler for everyone and so Smokey's portrayal of that is it, it's very similar to a lot of like gruff older men that you see in a lot of anime like i'm kind of reminded of the granddad from food wars um but uh, it is kind of a parody of that because you expect those kind of men to be stern and straightforward and, uh, I suppose, noble. You do not expect them to have an ass fetish. You do not expect them to be thinking about that one summer vacation they took to Latin America and the Brazilian hotties that they've still got pictures of. And you definitely don't expect them to use an ass mouse pad, even if they say it's just for their wrist. You, you just don't expect that to happen. So whatever that translation from the manga was, um, I, I think they translate it pretty well into the anime. And yeah, Smokey sounds like he's having a lot of fun with it. He he has to play a straight, laced voice while still uh, being a parody of that kind of voice. So yes, we are here to talk about Smokey. And I'm glad that we got to hear uh, the dog from Pumpkin Scissors acting again. I haven't finished Pumpkin Scissors. I just know it as a show that really wanted to be Full Metal Alchemist.
1: hmm
2: well, uh, again, in the interest of moving forward, I'll be very brief. I think Kristen and Colleen did fine in their respective roles. And I have to agree that Smokey is absolutely hysterical as the chairman. So with that, we are going to move on oh, On to our you? You main. Just, you just a- grew a
0: full mustache in the last two seconds.
2: <laughs> I've, I've had this mustache for months now, actually. But anyways, yes, we're moving on to our main antagonists, a.k.a. the Underground Student Council, a trio of girls who basically, they're basically trying to get the boys kicked out and uh, they have have them locked in this prison and they're plotting against them to get them expelled. Uh, Leading the Underground Student Council is Mari. She is the daughter of the chairman and Chiyo's older sister, um, she is conniving, manipulative, and extremely spiteful and hateful. And while she never gets physical with the boys, she leaves that to her two underlings. She um, she and. manages to, uh, huh?
0: A- and she leaves that to her crows.
2: All right, the right, crow yes. master, anting whatever <laughs> anting is. Um, but she manages to damage them more emotionally, and uh, and she's just. Awful person. Uh, Under her, we have uh, Mako, who is a the second in command in the student council, uh, student underground council, and she is extremely busty and curvaceous, scantily clad, fit
3: fitness. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, so, uh yeah, uh, yeah, again, what I made the earlier bit about where you can't tell which stuff is the offers fetishes and what stuff is the same trolling with you. That is mm-hmm. literally everything in with her character.
2: Like, yeah. She's basically she basically treats the boys like a dominatrix by whipping them with riding crops and performing wrestling moves and 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 the boys actually kind of like it, to be perfectly honest.
5: <laughs> I mean, she's done some CBT. And not only that, those things have poked an eye out. So,
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what Pete Wintz says whenever he leaves a strip club, right? Thanks for the memories.
4: Ooh.
2: <laughs> i got to put myself in the cage for that one. Awesome. But, All right.
0: Before you do, yeah. uh, who's the third member mm-hmm. of the council?
2: third member of the council would be hana she uh she is the blonde haired doe-eyed uh seemingly apparently she has a split personality because she can go from cute and sweet to angry psycho bitch at the flip of a switch and she is the martial arts expert who always wears shorts under her skirt so they can't take a peek and she and the boys do not like getting beat up by her. Unlike Mako, <laughs> she also has an unfortunate experience with Kiyoshi that just leads to a series of events that just gets more and more uncomfortable over
5: time. Well, let's uh, as just as would describe um, it, today. as Ludacris would describe it, it's splash waterfalls.
4: I'll say this: um, just, uh, if you're into <laughs> water sports, you're in luck.
5: Yeah. <laughs> or it's all Kelly would call it a golden yeah. shower this is the remix edition of a song I'm about gonna... pissing my <laughs> bro that body got every man in here pissing
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and mushrooms don't forget those but anyways uh playing the three members of the underground steward council playing mari is tia ballard who you remember from her role in Darling in the Franks and as Happy in *Fairy Tale*? Playing Mako, we have Whitney Rogers, who you remember from Haganai and Maria the Virgin Witch. And playing Hana, we have Alexis Tipton, who was in My Bride is a Mermaid and Blood Sea. Now, uh, Jet, why don't you start us off again?
3: Um, uh, Sure. Again, I'd prefer to get the negative out of the way, so I'll actually start with Whitney Rogers as Mako. Uh, to be clear, my problem here isn't really with the performance. I think that Whitney did a really great job of giving Mako a very domineering tone. And I appreciate that her voice has a very natural sultriness to it that shines through in almost every scene she's in. Uh, even when Mako generally isn't trying to be, since at least that's, like, partially the joke. Uh, but my problem again, mainly kind of boils down to the script, because uh, almost everything I don't like about it kind of swarms around this character. Uh, again, I was pretty familiar with the original Maka before the anime came out, and uh, throughout all of it, sincerity. one thing that is uh, kind of queer is that, uh, despite how gratuitous all the fan service around in Mako and how much she has the appearance of being a dominatrix, uh, out of the entire uh, underground student council trio, she's the one who kind of takes her job the most seriously. And while she doesn't necessarily respect the boy, because let's face it, no one does. They don't really deserve it. Uh, and <laughs> uh, she, uh, she takes pride in doing with them as he takes Eddie and all failures extremely, extremely seriously. Uh, and I feel like the dog gets uh, some of that across really well. And Whitney does uh, really good during Baker's moments of her Baker's moments of failure. Um, it also spends just as much time having her drop silly one-liners and puns even during scenes where Mako is supposed to be serious. I mean, well, again, as serious as you can be with what the show's stakes are. And, uh, there's definitely a lot more, and he definitely drove a lot more casual insults around as he did in the Japanese version, uh, which to me at times kind of made her feel like a slightly different character than what it was originally going for. Again, I know the joke in general is a very tricky one and I'm not too surprised Damien Tyson thought it would work better if they read them her dialogue. Uh, and, and, and and i mean there were some and there were some bits i found funny and then some stuff where i felt like they went a little too far with it i mean i know was probably gonna get it set up brought up at one point but the whole i can't hear you thing kind of felt a little, kind of felt like yeah that was a little much uh moving on to uh, TS Mari. uh like with the two, but i felt like this was another instance where the dub came kind of came the closest to fully grasping the joke. Uh, this particular role was pretty interesting to me because at the time it came out, uh, like a lot of folks, I mostly associated with T- I mostly associated Tia when happy from fairy tale. And while I had heard her voice teenage girls before, I had never heard her go so deep and sultry with them, uh, so it definitely came off as a little bit of a shock. Uh, and I really liked how Tia's overall tone of voice made it clear that as much as Mako might look like a dominatrix, Mari is definitely the, run, is definitely the one who's running the show and she's willing to do whatever it takes to make sure order is maintained. Uh, But at the same time, as much as she might act like she's doing things for the sake of the school, it's clear that she's mostly just motivated by her hatred of boys because her dad doesn't know what not safe for work means. And uh, Tia definitely gets that pettiness across just as well as she does Mari, attempting to be large and in charge. And once she finally (laughs) does get served, this slice of humble pie definitely makes the boys victory very satisfying. And I also appreciate that as mean as Mari might be, towards the boys. You can definitely tell that on some levels he definitely does care about manko and Hana, And uh, Tia definitely did a pretty good job of handling that too, so it was a fun performance. Uh, but with that out of the way, let's get to the real star of this section, and my resident best girl in the show, I don't care, fight me. Uh, Hana, and Alexis did this performance. I don't care what anyone says, Hana did nothing wrong. Okay, sure gets kissed gets his will, but Kiyoshi had pretty much everything else coming to him.
0: <laughs> Kiyoshi did nothing <laughs> wrong.
3: <laughs> okay, I mean, like, like okay, like I me mean, like, okay, I was like, okay, Keros, he technically did nothing wrong either, but he definitely didn't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: not saying a lot in this particular show, but you're right. That's yeah. fair.
3: I mean, I like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I liked it as much, I mean, I like that much, like, with uh, how to kind of now perform so and how to, you know, team like team be very sweet, not assuming at first glance. Uh, but if you're around rider for more than two minutes, you'll see that she can definitely snap at the drop of the hat. And what she does, he definitely makes Mako look like a harmless kid in comparison, and it's just kind of delightful <laughs> to watch. <laughs> and so, uh, while there are definitely a couple of moments where I feel like the dumps, maybe stretches the little too far without roots, you can get. Out of all the girls in the show, it definitely makes the most sense for her to top that way, so it generally works. And I definitely got a good kick out of some of her interactions with the boys. Good kick? I mean... Kick. But, I mean <laughs> Uh, Was that on
4: purpose?
3: Nah, I'm just going to ignore you because it wasn't. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking of the boys, uh, the real heart and soul of Hada's character, and by extension Alexis', Alexis performance, uh, mainly boils down to her dynamic with Kyochi, Uh Because no matter what his actual intentions are, almost every interaction he has with Hada ends with her getting humiliated in some fashion. I love how well Alexa switches between Hata, making Hada seem like she's out for bloody vengeance and just being genuinely embarrassed and all this keeps happening to her. And I feel like the latter is kind of important because as we see with the whole P-bottle scene, which is frankly the best scene in the entire show, while uh, Hada well, definitely acts tough, she also doesn't really know her way around guys, but she likes the things she does. Uh, so it definitely helps to add to why she's so, why she's so angry at the to begin with. And I really kind of wish that this show had gotten another season because it's, uh, because as much fun as the show had with Hana, uh, the back half of the manga gets even crazier with her, and they tested between her and Kyoji literally any time you interact. It's just amazing, frankly. And, like, and, like, and, like, and the way they build up that whole arc, only for it to end, and like the most, the biggest middle finger I, to an audience I've ever seen is just kind of amazing, and again, I really wish they adapted that. Uh, but for what we got here, Alexis did a great job with her and I definitely glad she did because again, Pana is kind of my favorite character and she was definitely, the standout when it came to the ladies of this dub, So good stuff.
2: Okay. Roots, you're up next.
4: Um, yeah, I, I'll start with, um, Tia Ballard as, uh, Mari. Um, she really didn't get to do a lot. Um, and that's kind of a problem I had with the, the previous batch of characters. Um, they just didn't get a lot of time to develop. And I
3: think, uh, yeah.
4: I think that's Mari's than well, a one big did
3: problem. so. a yeah, yeah, like a lot of the really good stuff with Mari is in the back after the manga that they didn't animate. So yeah right
4: that the a little bit the a little bit of 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 a Um, anyway, with what we got from the source material, um, Tia Ballard's performance was great. She's intimidating, despite the fact that she doesn't actually do much, if anything, to the boys directly. Um, I... That air of menace was apparent from the first moment she stepped into frame. Which being tia ballard and basically i also knew her as happy from fairy tale uh this was kind of an interesting experience um i will slightly disagree with Jed on whitney rogers's mako um i do agree in the sense that um she got the performance down perfectly Uh, she is the right balance of just um, that dominatrix air to the boys and then absolutely timid around the rest of the uh, underground student council um I will say that I actually do kind of like how the scripts punched up her dialogue um
5: Pun, punched you say?
4: Like I, like I said in the um, in the script writing and direction segments, um, I actually didn't mind that um, the profanity in the show was sort of ramped up from the Japanese version. Um, I thought she got some really great lines. I feel like if this. If this, the actual anime played things a little sillier than the manga does, um, I, I feel like it would have been an absolutely perfect fit. But um, I'm not going to say it doesn't work. It just feels very different. Um, and Alexis Stipton as Hana. But... Uh, Boy Howdy, I've got a stream of opinions, and I give her a gold star.
5: <laughs> hey, the only gold you think she gets. Um.
4: Her entire character arc is absolutely hilarious. Um, I I love how she just goes from absolutely crazy to terrified in just the drop of a hat. Um she is also absolutely scary in the second half of the show, and that was also really fun. Uh, is just a fun character, and Alexis Tipton breathed a lot of life into her, and it was great. All three of these I actually really enjoyed, uh, so solid performances all around.
5: Okay, uh, Jamal. Uh, let's start with the president, uh. Tia, this is so unusual because, like everybody else, yeah, I knew Tia's uh, Happy Fairy Tale. I also know it's Eris and kept playing cuties. And this is kind of anti Tia if you think about it. Like inverse Tia because I, uh, well, other than Rage Mohammed, I've never heard her use this kind of voice before. It's still impressive even on second and third rewatch. So the the fact that she kind of plays inverse to the character architect she's used to. It's kind of impressive. <laughs> Especially when she has to play around with a character who handles crows. To which, uh... uh kudos to Jamie Tyson for fitting an Edgar Allan Poe reference to the first episode. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, she did a pretty good job. And now, uh, moving on to uh, Milk, Milk, and Lemonade over here. No. <laughs> it, no. it the... In the next few sections, Fudge is made. <laughs> anyway.
4: I'm out of here. Whitney Rogers is <laughs> My work here is
0: done. Man, your sentence isn't up yet for at least another hour. Get back here.
5: Anyway, Whitney Rogers is maker I don't get to speak about Whitney Rogers often, but her voice is kind of impressive. This is like pre-Don Bennett for me, because... Even though I'm watching it over and over again, it kind of sounds to me like that. Benny to the point i actually confused the two once upon a time. And Wendy works with what she's got, and I remember asking her this at A-Fest one year, because I think, you know, when actors have to deal with this kind of stuff, it really takes about out of the comfort zone. <laughs> Especially that scene with, uh, I want to say either the figurine or orchestrating Audrey's breakout you fat fuck, did you call me Bobby? I, I was like, I just about lost it at that point because I'm like, Jesus Christ, you really gonna draw this man out just to orchestrate, to help orchestrate your plan. But yeah, Wendy does the best with what she's she's gotten. So I have to say, but I think it's pretty much pretty obvious who's to stand out here. That is Alexis is it, harder because, for one thing, I kind of have to disagree with Hardy, I don't think she has a split personality, she is what we would call fronted, meaning she's basically putting on airs, because you can tell at times when she's uh, sweet, kinda, almost to sacred kind of levels, and then she just she achieves that drop, and starts becoming a crazy bitch, to the point she even kind of overlays that with her sweet sacred voice as well can kid, that had a couple episodes, but man, when she loses it, it is fucking terrifying. As somebody who's been kicked in the nuts, I I can definitely feel I can definitely feel how this pain come at you, but I think probably the best part out of all this, in addition to the pain she kind of has to deal, is the last couple episodes where it's essentially the battle of wits, wits in quotation mark, between her and Kiyoshi, and it kind of yeah. came, <laughs> and, and came to a climax, like, towards the end of episode 12, where they're in the chairman's office, and she, she just knocks out Kiyoshi for tricking her. But I'm kind of going to have to disagree with our best girl, because I I would agree that she's, like, the least worst girl out of all three of them, but <laughs> when somebody threatens a, a murder-suicide and pretty much tries to go R. Kelly on you, taking golden showers and everything, that kind of... Yeah, no, that really makes me uncomfortable. And that's,
3: and that's, okay, okay, I mean, okay, see, okay, see, I would agree with you if I were taking this show like dead seriously.
5: What okay, you're not?
3: Mean, okay, uh, okay, I mean, okay, I mean, taking this show seriously. Okay, I mean, taking this show seriously it's that uh, now it takes itself seriously. I, I mean, take I, mean, I take
5: all my comedy seriously. Thank you very much.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean. Okay. I mean. Personally, I mean. Personally, it works for me and Jesse over personally it just works for me to go over top of nature I'm like, okay, this is a character that clearly does not under that clearly does not understand guys as much as he wants to pretend she does, so it kinda works for me.
5: She even <laughs> sa- she even said the like I'm gonna do to you whatever ever you gonna do to her first.
3: it's that, like that- okay, yeah, because like as of the Sabbath later on, like she has the as, like when it comes to guys he has like the mentality of like a five year old. So to her it's like Okay, so for her, it's like, oh, okay, you did this to me, like, I, so I do this back to you, this makes sense to me. <laughs> so when, like, so when Kiyoshi, uh, you know, starts making out whatever, she's like, wait, what? Wait, no, this is how it's supposed to go, no! <laughs>
5: I'd say she bit off more than she could chew, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Are we safe
2: to move on? <laughs>
5: yes, we are.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, wait, did
3: you have anything to say, Hardy?
2: No, we haven't talked to Noah yet.
3: Oh,
0: yeah, I'm done. So I'm still reeling over here from the fact that Hardy, in mentioning roles that uh, that Tia has done before, you had to pair "Darling in the Franks" with "Happy" from Fairy Tale. Like uh, the two roles you could have picked; th- those were the two you had to pair together.
3: <laughs> I mean, absolutely,
0: I mean, yes, absolutely I mean, I- did.
3: Okay, like, yeah. I guess he did because I still remember the one... <laughs> I still remember his one live for the and Frank Franks. Happens when we did. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I, I suppose so. I I mean, I guess those are the ones that uh, the average listener would remember her the most for. So, fine, I'll let that go. I mean, I, I was... Honestly, I was with Jamal. I was more in the... I remember her more as uh, Ares from Cat Planet <laughs> Cuties, which is a very different role from this kind of performance. Um, but that just makes it more impressive because... Um, Although you guys are right, she doesn't get to do too much in the show itself because the show is kind of relying on a couple of stereotypes for you to associate her uh, cool, controlling personality with other anime characters that you've seen with that similar personality type. Uh, Tia is indeed commanding with that voice. It's the kind where, yeah, I get the idea that she is completely ruling the school. Yes, she probably is a pimp off campus. And anything that she says that she wants to happen will happen um i, I think uh, her first introduction to the first episode where she kind of like slowly reveals to kiyoshi that she is the you know the president of the underground student council is kind of sets the tone throughout the rest of the show and even though she doesn't get too too much uh aside from coordinating planet what's it called destroy testicles operation mm-hmm. that D-T-O. is dto that, yeah. that's Earth, operation Earth, that's destroy. yeah
3: yeah as I, uh, yeah, I had to yeah, I didn't mention up before, but it's kinda of weird how they translated that. As I, uh, because in the Japanese, um, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but mm-hmm. it Okay. Uh, uh, but originally it was I
5: think it was Dashi Tagaki or
0: something like as, that. it's yeah. right in the anime. Like you can see the printed <laughs> words in English what what it would translate to.
3: As, as I, yeah, it's like yeah, and they yeah, they literally say exactly what it
0: translates to, which is like get rid of the boy, so Yeah.
3: And uh, trying to get to destroy tentacles was uh, definitely very creative. I'll get
0: that. It was. <laughs> and they even maintained when the, the gag- tentacles come in. <laughs> <laughs> Just,
3: uh, uh, okay. Okay. You know what I meant.
0: Screw you. I mean, I, I, I assume destroy <laughs> mushrooms organ operation wouldn't quite fit the, uh, the anagram. But my point was, is that <laughs> Tia does a good job with what she's got. And from what the, from what you guys have said, it sounds like there's some more interesting material in the manga that would be interesting to see adapted, uh, given that it's been five years since the show aired and J.C. Staff is off doing other wonderful works right now, like Food War Season 5, I think it's safe to bet that they will not be coming back to that anytime soon.
3: <laughs> That's what I, I mean, I would certainly rather see a season to a prison school than season <laughs>
0: 5 of Food War. What's the longest gap between any of their productions? Like, like the one I was surprised by more recently was that, and this wasn't J.C. Staff, I don't think, this was I forget who did it, but that there was a, a fourth season of uh, full metal panic um, almost like 10 years after the last one came out
3: as i uh, i remember there was like a really long gap between seasons two and three of index so they definitely, yeah, definitely right. have had a lot of
0: before by the right.
2: time 2022 but, comes around tiger and bunny will have them all beat with well, i think an 11 year time gap
0: that yep. one did surprise me so, okay, so you're right, weirder things have happened, so, uh, who knows, maybe for the 300th episode we'll be covering the dub of Prison School Season 2. Um, speaking of Prison School Season 2, let's talk about the two major assets of this show, the two, uh, that keep this whole show going. Okay, the, Mar- uh, Mako's entire personality does come off as, like, this weird amalgamation of fetish and cheesecake that was told to be stapled into the show, even if the mangaka didn't think it should go that far. And it does not help that the anime loves to pull what we have colloquially referred to as the crotch cam. It, we've got to take a shot. We've got to show the footage of what's going on in the show through Mako's crotch. And it is now, only through those thin, lacy, purple underwear that we don't see her Medusa.
3: I like, and I said, like, oh, like, oh no, that was in the manga too. I think it was just like the excessive sweating is a cat- the part where it's like, you can't tell if this is, like, an actual fanator
0: again just uh, for trolling you. Uh-huh. And that's, and, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm good with trolling in a show in a show that, I'm sorry, Jamal, but I'm not taking this 100% seriously. If there was, like, some sort of social commentary I was supposed to make uh, with this content, maybe I could take it more seriously. But uh, I- I'm, uh, I'm in this for the, uh, for the Tarantino-esque fascination of violence and badass women, okay? This is Kill Bill Part 3 that we never got. Um,
2: but has no feet fetish, though.
0: Oh, oh, oh! You say that, but uh, Mako's heels can curb stomp you like a motherfucker.
2: But they're still covered in shoes, though.
0: Well, yes, but we have to get it on broadcast television. We, you know, we can't show the full foot. Come on, now. We're, we're civilized. God. Which is why there are god beams covering titties throughout this entire show. Watch the
5: uncensored version, people. Don't watch the uncensored version. I, I'm, uh, I'm I mean, really, watch uh, the uncensored version. You said I thought you said don't watch the censored. Yeah, f- fuck you. Know uh, what okay,
3: I mean. okay, you have to be <laughs> What well, I
0: was, I was going to give Whitney Rogers some compliments on this because pulling off uh, Mako's uh, intense energy uh, is not easy because um, she is not only uh, overly abusive to the characters with lots of uh, lots of different terms being thrown out here and there. Um, she's also got to play, um, not shy, Shy shy's not the right word, um, timid. She's got to play timid when she's worried that she's let down Mari in certain scenes. You know, she, she basically bends over backwards and said, please spank me, please master. It she bent over backwards in one episode. Um, all the way backwards. In fact, that, um, that made me a little uncomfortable, but Whitney does not make me uncomfortable. Um, in this, for the entire endeavor, that could not have been an easy role to play off, because if you have too much energy, like, if you're just way over the top, you come off as, um, uh, like, you're, I mean, like, just like I said, you're over the top, and we've seen that in some, like, four kidsifying dubs before, where it doesn't sound like a person anymore, it sounds like an animal let into the recording booth, and if you play it too reserved, um, then it just doesn't pack that punch that we needed, so... I think she fit the right balance in between the two, and I don't have any qualms with the writing on it because it fit with her current personality type with all the blood spewing, all of the teeth being knocked out, the sweat, all of the bodily fluids. Good job, Whitney. With that being said, um, this is a JC staff production, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. If there is one thing that I think we all come to expect from a JC staff show, it is the archetypal character of the Sundere. You could look at Familiar to Zero, Food Wars, Shakugan no Shana, any number of shows that I'm not listing off the top of my head that have uh, that Toradora, there's another one, that's got a that's got a dairy character, and it's basically the same character in every single one of them.
3: And we he's like, like, okay, so are you saying that she that how should have been voiced by Rhea Incug?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, she wasn't like, can you Can you really tell no,
3: so, me No, like she wasn't
0: actually <laughs> But you you can't tell me that wouldn't have been out of place. <laughs> but with Hana, we have a we. It's not the same uh, type of tsundere because we get something quite different. We get a very a much more spastic version of that because she does she does get, um, like she gets blushy and, uh, flustered when uh, confronting kiyoshi You know, when she's rubbing up against his mushroom and she doesn't know what is that thing, or the entire scene where she's basically trying to steal his first kiss. Um, but it's a much more extreme version of that, and one that I don't think J.C. Staff has quite put in any of their other shows before. Um, it's a nice variation. I like that this is a different, more extreme version of their archetypal Sundari, which, I, you know, I'm all for Sundaris. I'm all for that. I'm, I'm here for that. Um, but, you know, Hana doesn't have pigtails, so she can't be that exact kind of character. And Alexis's portrayal of both sides of that personality is really fun to watch. It's not—I'm not, not a—you know—I'm not a urine guy. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just not for me. I—I I, I don't search that page on Pornhub search engine. But maybe for people who do, that's more their style. But for every other part of Hana's personality, um, I, I like the extremes that Alexis gets through, gets to have with her without again without being so over the top that it's unbelievable as a character there, there's still some humanity in there it just sounded like she was having a lot of fun from all the uh, kicking you in the ass to drinking her dandelion tea
2: she drank a lot more than her dandelion tea I'd have to say
0: oh. We have no shame, people. Yes, if you have not listened to any episodes in the 200 we've done so far, now you know we are a shameless, shameless bunch. And surprisingly, right. an Andrewless episode. So, but you mm-hmm. stop picking on the guy. He, he's paid his dues to society. Are not so yet. He has a bus. <sighs> but I'm, um,
2: anyways are you are you done noah
0: i am going to pass the ball and chain over to you hardy please tell us are these right. three the best women or not
2: uh they're the best at being so so bad and we love them for it um i'm just gonna be real brief again uh sultry tia is always a uh, a, a delight i enjoy when she gets to play her lower register which is why I actually really did enjoy her as Zero Two in Darling in the Franks. Um, This was kind of the precursor to that. Now, looking back on it, Um, Mari didn't really get to do much in the show, but Tia still played her very well. Mako is very hilarious uh, when she gets to beat up the boys and and kowtow to Mari. She, She sounds really, really fun. And Alexis Tipton as Hana is just... She's just the little blonde cupcake on top of the whole the whole Sunday.
5: Yes, yes, that spice with cayenne pepper.
2: <laughs> right, right. Which actually that's pretty good. Cayenne muffins are actually very tasty. I say that because you get a kick out of her. Mm-hmm. Alright. Anyways, that's basically my opinion. Uh, let's move it on to the boys now, the five boys. Who are the main characters. Uh, the first two we're going to group together because they don't have as much to do with the overall show as the other three. Uh, we're going to be talking about Joe. He is a short, scrawny boy who is always wearing his hoodie, even in the shower sometimes. Um, he suffers from very bad canker sores that cause him to to uh, spit up blood. And also he is... He loves ants to the point of obsession where he names them after after X-Men characters. Uh, And then we have Andre.
0: AKA the best character in the show.
2: Who is large and obese and has a face, tiny little face, resembling that of a scrunched up Buddha with massive floppy ears. And he has a... uh, sadistic fetish he loves being punished physically and mentally abused um he's just a big old sucker for glutton for punishment and he gets into withdrawal when he doesn't get his daily abuse and playing these characters we have chris bevins as joe who you may remember from aka 13 And also the main role of both Aquarion and Aquarion Evil, And he directed all three Aquarion series, in fact. That show is basically his baby. And playing Andre... In a very peculiar voice... We have Sunny Strait. Who you obviously remember as Kuro-Sensei from Assassination Classroom. And Krillin from Dragon Ball Z. Now... Uh, Jet, why don't you start us off?
3: Okay, uh, sure, I guess I'll start with Joe. Um, so out of the main five, Joe kind of has the least amount of presence, so I don't have, like, a whole ton to say about Chris's performance. Uh, Joe is uh, kind of the quiet one, so to speak, and while he is a bit of a dude bro, he isn't nearly as much important as Shingo is. Uh, so he just kind of mostly keeps to himself, and I feel like Chris did a good job of, you know, I just kind of letting him fade into the background what he needed to do. Uh, whatever Joe does, I've got something to say, though. Chris definitely knows how to get it across. I ended up, we got a pretty good kick out of all the bits where uh, Joe was going wall over his ankle, actually getting messed with. And uh, just how much he made Joe so that like he could easily snap at the drop of the hat, I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, but at the same time, while Joe is uh, kind of crude, he's, and he's not exactly an angel, when he does see that Kiyoshi is a stand-up guy or, you know, about as setup up as you can be with this kind of Joe, He's he sticks up for him. And Chris did a pretty good job of making that transition to the seer here. Uh, I mean, I wish I had a little bit more to say here, but even in the manga, Joe doesn't really do as much as the other four and his gimmick never extends beyond a whole Picker source thing. So, uh, yeah, Chris did a good job of what he had. Um, moving on to Street is Andre. Uh, so when I say that Chris and McGuire's tier was probably the weakest performance of the dub for me, uh, is uh, Sunny Streets Andre is probably the one I like the
0: least. Oh, come um, on
3: like, man, 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 Okay, like, I get what he was going for here. Andre has a very weird-looking and distinctive character design, so we probably figured that Andre's should and have the voice the match. Uh, but it honestly didn't really click for me. Firstly, because, as I've said over and over again, it doesn't really match with the overall joke of the show. Yeah, Andre's design is very weird, and his overall character is kind of weird. Uh, but within the context of the show, he's treated about as seriously as the rest of the boys, And, um, and, um, the Seiyuu Kazuyuki- Okitsu's so avoid sounded you know he sounded about as much of a natural as much of a normal high school boy as the other others did, so he That's he fitted pretty well there. Uh, but mostly though, what I don't like about it is that Sunny Straight take is just really, really annoying to listen to. Again, while you can only take this show but so seriously, it is a pretty compelling escape for only what it wants to be. And but almost every time Audrey opens his mouth, it kinda takes me out of things. And especially during moments where the show kind of is trying to go for actual tension. And it just kind of makes the whole performance feel like a big distraction at times. I mean, but again, for what it's worth, I don't think that Sonny's actual acting here is bad. While the voice is very grating, Sonny does a very good job of keeping consistent while maintaining it. And he manages to keep it up even during Andre's more dramatic moments. And uh, I don't know if he was a amu- amused that there were, you know, maybe a couple of times where he dropped a couple of octaves for last. I thought that was pretty good. Uh. <laughs> Oh. Uh, but uh, overall, it kind of felt like Sunny and the crew were trying to add in a joke that was never really there to begin with. And while well, I couldn't understand what they were going for, I just didn't really care for it personally. But, and, but yeah, I'm done.
0: Well, Jet, you, you've seen Digimon Tamers, right? Yes. W- were you not a fan of Guilmon's English voice?
3: I mean, okay, you are taking two very different... Yes, they sound similar, but you are taking two different? What? I don't even know how you're drawing that it's, <laughs> I don't even know how you're making that comparison aside from how those voices sound. Well, that's what I'm so saying. They're going for they're, they're very two different kinds of characters with very two different kinds of intentions Gilmon like, is kind of Gilmon, yes, <laughs> yes. Steve Blooms Gilmon sounds weird, but it also sounds kind of childish, which is what the character is, you know, supposed to be
4: Not to mention uh, Gilmon and, is played by um, <laughs> Masaki Nozawa in the Japanese
3: yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, there wasn't really any other way Seabloom was really going to be able to match that. Except again, <laughs> comparing again, comparison to what was going on here, uh, Katsuki Tetsu sounded normal.
0: It, yeah, in the Study Japanese, straight, not. You're right. Andre's Eng- Japanese was way di- way different than the English. I'll give you that. I'm just. My point was only yeah. that if you could. Get with the voice overall because you've heard it in other things like like the, the obvious one is Meatwad from um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which is not of, we're, we're like like are
3: we, are like, uh, like okay like okay, but I see the groin screen to me it's again with the concept of it felt like a distraction. Yeah. If okay if I okay, if I felt like it mad if I felt like it matched with the overall tone of the show, I would be like, sure, fine. But again, literally no other character in the show sounds like that.
0: It's like, it's oh my god, like, oh, like, think, I'm thinking now, what if they redubbed the show and everybody had that voice? Like just all. Oh mom, good god, I dropped that in the heartbeat.
3: Like this, like the whole uh, all no, all the time. Can we please move on now? Can we please move on now?
0: Release the yes, meat one. So 10 the, minutes. Okay. Yes, okay, okay. I That was what he's
3: still doing. Alright.
2: Okay. Are, are you done, yet Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Roots.
4: All right. So, I'm going to start with Joe mainly because there's like almost nothing I can say about the performance. I I liked what was there, but there was maybe I I felt like the character had like a minute or two of dialogue through the whole show. Um he's largely quiet throughout the course of the series and a lot of his quote-unquote dialogue is just a big mean <sighs> cough. So, um, I did like the scene where um, Murray's crows were getting into his ants, and he freaked out. Uh Especially because the um, the logical conclusion of that scene went down, and it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I also like when he, he stuck up for Kiyoshi after he stopped him from doing something terrible. Um, which, unfortunately, because the episode 13 that the series got was bundled with a volume of the manga, uh, the actual storyline we would have gotten with the character of Joe, um, that... Hasn't been dubbed and will likely never be dubbed. Probably never even get a home video release. Um... As for Sunny Strait as Andre... I largely agree with Jet that... The performance itself was great. I absolutely love the scene where... He's basically getting blue-balled by Mako and he... Just absolutely loses his damn mind. Um... But I also have to agree that the sort of Groogie Rod Munchies and Crunchies voice um, was very grating and annoying. Was that a Black
0: Cauldron reference?
4: Yes, Noah, it was a fucking Black Cauldron (laughs) reference.
0: I went there. You just jumped up three points in my playbook. Good job. Which actually, fun fact, it's my
4: understanding that Sunny Strait actually does enjoy the Disney Black Cauldron movie.
0: Doesn't everybody?
4: It's better than what people think. I'll say that. Future episode. Um, but that was basically my piece. We can we can move to Jamal. I really don't have much to say about either of them.
2: All right, Jamal, go and uh, take the floor.
5: I kind of feel weird talking about one of them for personal reasons, but uh, starting with Joe, yeah, I agree. Joe doesn't get much to do until, like, the back half where, you know, he has the incident with Mari because he almost stabbed him the death of Kiyoshi. Well, let's just say he saved his ass, if you know what I mean.
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) He took one for the team.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of violent slapstick in this show, but I, I really felt that scene.
5: Holy <laughs> holy shit, man! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, but yeah, I, it's funny, because normally when I hear Beverton the world, I associate him with like, su- type of nerdy characters, like, you know, he has this kind of nasally to- gravity tone to his voice that he sounds kind of like a dude. To the point, he's more like a Nerdy Beavis, if I could put it <laughs> like that. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> that just cracked me up. I'm sorry. Nerdy Beavis. Yes. Oh, wow. I was, I was Those try- are two words I would have never put together, but they sound so amazing when they do. That, Nerdy Beavness. I need to write that down.
5: That's the impression I get from his voice. I couldn't remember if it was him or Butthead, but I think Mike McFarland would be the Butthead that's Oh,
2: definitely. Yeah.
5: Yeah, cause the two sound kind of similar, but
2: they look kind of similar. If you if you nope. if if Bevins had I mean, blonde
5: hair, yeah, I want to picture that. But yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much when Joe gets to change his high, he stops alienating Kiyoshi, That you, know, you you kind of see his character for what it is, not, even though it wasn't as much, especially in the last couple episodes when you find out the twist. <sighs> and uh. I'm just going to call by his actor's name, because I'll explain to you why this feels kind of weird to me. So, uh, Sonny, he kind of has to put airs with this character, because he had to decide where they he kind of gives this weird kind of voice, but the problem with the meatball kind of voice is, even when you don't hear it as much, it's kind, yeah, it is kind of annoying, but after a while, you kind of learn to deal with it. But I think the bigger problem for me, is, like, in the early episodes, when you start to get into his character development, because when you like, getting spit on, getting, beating on is one thing, getting spit on is just, that like, fucking nasty, and I don't know how anybody could like that, but that's just personal preference, but I think, Say do a good job of what he was given, yeah, it's not akin to the Japanese, but it doesn't have to be really, because i yeah, because Sonny's kind of with his old world, much like his character, but I kind of appreciate him for it. So I think it's safe to move on.
2: Uh, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, Jamal. If you think people enjoy being spit on as weird, don't ever watch the show Mysterious Girlfriend X.
5: Oof. Yeah. I don't plan on it, so.
0: Uh, Hardy, have yeah. you seen more of that than just the first episode?
2: Uh, no, and I'm not going to, but I've heard it's actually kind of good if you can stomach the gross parts.
0: That's also what I've heard. I don't think that's enough for me to want to watch it either.
3: Yeah. Same yeah. here. hmm Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyways, Noah, uh, it's your turn.
0: Um, it's really, I, I don't really think of Chris Beffins as an actor very much, because I, I know him more for his directing work, um, which is, um... This show doesn't really change that opinion very much because, like you guys said, Joe doesn't get to do too much. Um, I feel like in making the concept for the show, they had four pretty established characters in mind. And then they stood back and realized, shoot, we can't do just a four-person group. That's not what Sentai does. We gotta have five. Alright, let's just throw a fifth person in there. Just make him a hooded, scrawny, canker sore guy. And he likes ants. I feel like they were tossing ideas at a dartboard. So it's not like Chris had a whole lot to work with in creating this character, but he doesn't make a farce of the character. He plays up the uh, the more dramatic parts of it, the more the sadder parts of it. And there are some sad parts with Joe's uh, character design, not his character design, with the fact that he seems like the weakest of the entire group, like the one who would just you just tap him and he would just fall on over. So I think Chris did good for what he had to go off of. And it's, it's very easy to take uh, what are essentially background characters and mess them up. We, we've seen many anime before, many dubs where one-shot characters or background characters aren't given a whole lot of thought or personality because the actor decides, well, they're not going to be in it much, so why try? Chris doesn't do that. Chris, you know, he's, you know, go hard or go home in his personality. And speaking of going hard or going home, I remember when we recorded this episode originally that we had a schism on who did and didn't like Sonny's uh, portrayal of Andre and I was firmly on team I like it camp solely because although the show maybe the manga was a little more serious and it was easier to take it seriously because you were just seeing the panels and not the full on collisions and the action and the best breast bouncing and all of that Uh, it's kind of hard to take the content of this very seriously especially because like I said I don't feel like it's uh, social commentary on anything it's just kind
3: of like I mean, like, okay, I said it before again. When I say taking it seriously, I don't mean I'm, like, literally taking it seriously. I mean, the joke is that the material takes itself very seriously.
0: I, yeah, and with the original Japanese audio for Andre, that made more sense, because it was just a lower but normal-ish sounding high school voice. And then Sonny decided not to do that. And this kind of uh, colored what I expected Sonny to do from this point. In his dubbing career forward, because like I remember, we made predictions for uh, Pandora in the Crimson Urn, and we had to guess who was going to play the three-footed flower mascot character. Like, well, it looks like a Sunny character, and lo and behold, it was a Sunny character. So, as far as what he did for this show, I don't dislike it because I enjoy the goofier, more cartoonish part of the show. I don't like it so much when it does get like when the characters do get more serious um like i I know part of the joke is that they're treating expulsion like it's on par with an execution and that's actually a joke that we've seen quite a few anime do before i I know kakagurui did that too they treated um death in that show like people were gambling with their lives as just kind of frivolous but in the very last episode the the gamble was you would be expelled and that was treated as almost worse than dying or losing an eye or losing your fingernails So uh, the show isn't exactly unique in that regard, but it's in line with how seriously, I guess, society treats graduating from high school. If you don't do that, you're nothing. Uh, Andre is definitely someone, though. Um, I agree with what you guys said. The voice is what it is. If you like it, you like it. And if you don't, well, I don't really. I guess you can always just switch over to the Japanese. But that's my piece.
2: Okay. Uh, Again, um, my opinions I'll be very brief, especially with these two. Uh, Joe really doesn't say much, but in the moments that he does get to speak, it's interesting hearing Chris talk like this because this is different from how he usually sounds. And and he sort of has this sort of gruff, sickly edge to Joe that, that really works when he does actually speak. And did anyone else appreciate his Yoda voice?
4: Yes. Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> Judge me, you will.
2: Yeah. But he uh, he does really sound like the kind of guy who you could just flick with your finger and he'd fly against the wall. And Mako literally does that. So, kudos to him. Uh, Sunny Streets Andre. I'm back and forth on it because I think it. I did it did grow on me as it went on, but the initial shock was just like, why, why this voice with this character? Um, It's mainly taking advantage of the fact that he looks goofy and he's giving him a very cartoonish uh, voice and it's way different from the Japanese and it is very much a uh, like it or hate it sort of thing. Um, But if you made the, the comment earlier that what if the entire show was was dubbed with uh, Andre's voice it's funny you should mention that because in one of the audio commentaries starts out with all of the, all three of the actors being interviewed who are not Sonny Strait uh, speaking in Andre's voice oh good god in fact uh, during double talk it sort of became a meme that everyone speak in Andre's voice and, uh, and you know it's very much a love it or hate it thing do I think it ruins the dub no Um, but I mean, I do, it does do have the question why they, why they went in this direction. Um, like I said, it it grows on you over time, but yeah, it's very much, very much a peculiar casting choice, but I mean, Sonny directed it. So he gets to do what he wants anyways. All right, moving on. We're going to do the last, last three boys individually. We have Shingo. He's sort of a... Standard juvenile delinquent type one of the more straight-edged of the five uh kind of got a bit of a chip on the shoulder has a weakness for the ladies but deep down he's actually a really cool dude uh who doesn't like kids fighting over each other and and deep down even though he has issues with his friends he uh he will stick up for them in the end uh and playing shingo is mr clifford chapin Obviously, you know him as Bakugo in My Hero Academia, and also recently in Henski. Uh, so, Jet, would you like to start us off?
3: Uh, sure. Um, so it's hard to think back to a time where Clifford Chapin wasn't a household name in Funimation. Uh, but this was definitely back when he was a little less well-known, which then kind of makes the casting choice here kind of weird. Uh, you know, uh, give it a joke, because... Uh, In a Japanese version, like, literally all five were, like, extremely popular Seiyu, and that was, like, part of the joke. Uh, But again, I can't really complain, because uh, B definitely fit here like a glove. Uh, While this rule precedes Bakugo by a good year, you can definitely hear some of it in how Clifford handles Shingo. And out of all the boys, he definitely cuts off as the biggest dude bro, both in terms of his tone and his dialogue, and uh, Clifford does a really great job of balancing between Shingo... Being the kind of guy you hang out with as a teenager, and also the kind of jerk who never quite lets go of the grudge, and that part definitely takes up a lot of what he goes through over the middle of the show. And it goes from you know being very mocking, but you know generally supportive of Kiyoshi, you know despite uh, you know despite a few no homo comments. Uh, but uh, as I bet that in the second half, he kind of switches to being a little bit of a bully and a sellout. The second he learns that Kiyoshi tried to break out. And clip uh, just makes him come off as a real jerk one while, you know, also keeping things dialed back just, just enough that you can sympathize with him a little bit. Uh, that definitely helped to make the whole scene where he sees the kids in the park, you know, gagging up all on of their friends and realizing that he's been doing the same thing due to Kiyoshi. Uh, he makes that whole bit feel very believable. And while, you know, she goes in exactly all sunshine and rainbows after that, uh, because again, the boys do indeed suck, uh, he's definitely a lot more likable after that. And Cliff definitely handles the drama of those moments pretty well. Uh, it's not one of my favorite performances in the dub, but it's definitely a very solid one. And uh, even with some of the problems I have here, I'm definitely very happy that Cleveland's career pretty much only ever took off from here.
2: Okay. Uh, roots?
4: Uh, yeah. Um, Cliff's Shingo, I... I really did like the performance. It's, it's one of my favorites of the show. Um, in fact, all... I really liked all three of the boys we're about to cover. Um, I really liked that Cliff sort of gave him that lovable punk persona. Um, Because even... You know the show after Shingo kind of sells his friends out in order to get time outside of the prison... Um, You know, eventually this is going to be found out and, you know, there'd be a confrontation, but everybody reconciles. So you can't make Shingo too unlikable. And I think Cliff actually did a, a really good job sort of not only making Shingo a bit of a jerk in those scenes, but also painting him with enough sympathy that when you eventually had to have everybody come back together and, you know, get over their shit and figure out how to get themselves out of the jam they got themselves in, um, I thought that was really believable. So, a thumbs up on on Cliff for playing Shingo.
2: Okay, Jamal, you're up next.
5: Uh, so, yeah, this is... Kind of a u- unusual situation because for the longest wife, I've always preferred Cliff in comedies. Ever since the days of Good Luck Girl and Assassination Classroom to... And thank you for mentioning game because I really think that's where he kind of shines the most, you know, like... He kind of has his own natural approach to how he does things. I mean, he can be good in dramas too, but when he's kind of natural in comedies, it, it really makes things all the more intense... Especially playing around with Shago, who, yeah, comes off as a standard droop without delinquent, but he really kind of ap- amps it up a bit thanks to the script. <laughs> to to the point, like, of course he has to curse out Kyoshi for his treasons, it's for his actions, really. And uh, it's kind of funny how you said that uh, Bevis would look like Beavis if he had blonde hair. I think sh- he would look like Shago if he had blonde hair, if you think about it. I think that's another thing, too, because, you know, when actors can kind of play characters that kind of mind them themselves in some way, it really breaks out a more natural tone, really. <laughs> it, it it really makes, it really amplifies the antics, basically. I I don't really have as much to say about Shango. I did, I did like his uh, underpinnings as a character, especially the dramatic moments with both Azu and the third strike against them, so... You know, he really shows his guts and glory. So, what can I say? (laughs) All
0: right, Noah. Um, is it cliche to say that uh, this is that Shingo is basically baby's first Bakugo?
2: Uh, I would think that that's closer to Connie, probably.
0: Well, the only this this is this is pre-Bakugo, so. No, I I know it is, but the uh, in watching this. Uh, you know, five years after it was recorded and seeing some of the freak out moments that Clifford does, uh, it really sounds a lot like his Bakugo voice. Um, he he, best, he definitely dips into that, especially uh, in the midpoint where he finds out that, yeah, they were uh, uh, they were planning a breakout and they didn't tell the team about it. He, he goes into full on Bakugo mode. So it's, it's kind of interesting to hear that before My Hero Academia obviously broke. And that's, I mean, that's probably the most interesting thing that uh, Cliver gets to do in this whole thing. But he does get some more dramatic moments throughout the whole thing, Um, especially when he's kind of contemplating, like, you know, throwing his friends under the bus, trying to get in good with the girl, rushing towards the end. And, uh, oh, the loveliness of being saved from crushing death from a truck by the wet t-shirt contest. Men, let us all hail the wet t-shirt contest.
3: All hail. Hmm. Uh, when you really you, know, I, when you believe me if I told you that it's still the main motivation for, like the entire second half of the manga, I
2: would You're believe kidding. you.
5: Hold hardly. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. yes, yes Keep going for the entire second half.
5: <laughs> Honestly, I I should be surprised, but I'm not. Come, come
0: on, <laughs> please tell me that this manga is available legally. I have to find it now, Jet.
3: Yes, uh, uh, yes, uh, yes It actually is available legally. I I don't remember who's publishing it, but I'm. Pretty sure they're pretty Okay, they're definitely they're definitely with the anime covered.
0: Okay, but I whoever they are, I will throw much money at them. But yeah, as far as the, the acting portion of this, it's it's a dynamic role uh in what he gets to do, and I guess the best thing I can say about it is that yeah, I, I like hearing bits of Bakugo before <laughs> Bakugo even existed in this performance. So yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you say uh, Proto Bakugo. I say little bits of Connie from Attack on Titan as well, because if you've ever watched Clifford, I watched Clifford do um, a live stream. He was playing Smash uh, on the premiere of My Hero Academia the first night it was on, and they did a little live show beforehand. And um, if you listen to him in his real life, uh, when he gets frustrated, you could you could tell a little that voice. A little bit of that voice kind of comes out in his natural repertoire. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, those little sort of screaming frustrations and just yeah, that's that's just Clifford being Clifford, basically. So that's why I made the joke in the uh, two heroes episode that playing uh, Clifford Chapin, we have Katsuki Bakugo.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I remember that.
2: I think he pretty much embodies that character to a certain extent. And so, yeah, that's listening to shingo now you could definitely tell that it was his that he would later go on to uh, to play that sort of character and he plays it really well uh even though shingo in comparison to the last two boys he doesn't really have that much of screen time but uh but yeah you can definitely tell that he uh that he was uh he was the best choice to play this this character All right. Let's move on to our second-to-last character. We have Gakuto. He is a tall, lanky nerd with glasses, and starts out with uh, semi-long, shoulder-length hair, which later gets shaved on, shaved off as a form of punishment. He is. He speaks. He refers to himself as yours truly, and he is obsessed with the romance of the Three Kingdoms. So the point where he tries to find a way to sneak Kiyoshi out in order for him to buy a limited edition figure that is only available for one day. And playing Gakuto is the one and only Eric Vale. And this should be as no surprise to you playing such an off the wall uh, kind of perv character like this, because he's also been in shows like Desert Punk and Aesthetica of a Rogue Hero. So, uh, what, uh, Jet? let's start with you. What did you think of Eric's performance as Gakuto?
3: Okay, yes, uh, we finally arrived with the best boy and possibly the only kind of decent boy in this whole show. Um, <coughs> uh, so even though Eric Vale was uh, pretty much my favorite actor in Funimation and he's proven that he can play an incredibly wide range of characters, I was also really a little surprised when they first cast him here. And uh, not because I didn't think that Gaokato wasn't within his vocal range. I mean, he's definitely no stranger to play teenagers. Uh, but because Katsuyuki Konishi's performance was so distinct, I wasn't really sure who he was going to be able to match it. And if you don't know who Katsuyuki Konishi is, um, you would probably know him best as Kamina from Girl Logon if you want to imagine Kamina cropping his fans. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> boy.
0: Now there's a mental
5: image. No, yeah. no, thank you.
3: <laughs> yeah, so, uh, no, well, sir. Behold, I don't he def- like it. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so, uh, despite, uh, so despite uh, my uncertainty, he definitely managed to pull it off. Uh, right away, he does a really great job of uh, making gawk-a-dotes. I would immediately need to sing from all the other boys, but I make him a very high pitched and kind of dirty tone. Uh, but unlike Sunny Streets Andre, it still sounds like something that would belong to a typical teenage boy, and it definitely really worked for Kakuto's character. Uh, speaking of Kakuto's character, <laughs> I also appreciated that while I've been kind of harsh on the dumb script in other areas tonight, uh, they, they definitely did a really good job of translating Kakuto's very formal speech patterns into English. Uh, and they definitely did a really great, and Eric did an equally great job of making, you know, Kakuto and to sound very refined and crafty, even when he's just spending most of the show getting through the ring or literally getting dunked on. Uh, but it's funny that the show can be in general. A lot of the best moments just really belong to Eric Sakuto, whether it's Gakuto going insane from trying to eat fried grasshoppers, or trying to distract someone to re- from a really bad rap. I mean, that is kind of what the character... <laughs> oh my now. god. <laughs> um, and uh, Eric pretty much almost never failed to make me laugh, and he definitely had a really good grasp on his character. Uh, but of course, the scene that was really going to make or break him came down to the legendary pooping scene. And I definitely liked that, despite how utterly ludicrous that entire scenario was, Eric soon remained so cold, serious, and overly dramatic throughout the whole thing. And in a lot of ways, it just made the entire sequence even funnier. And I, it was definitely a wonder to behold. And I also liked that, you know, as silly as Falcano could be compared, compared to the rest of these boys, he, he has a good head on his shoulders. And he wants to do the right thing by his friends. And uh, Eric gets a lot of cocktails in a turmoil over you know leaving Q to Detective Hall for him really well. And uh, it was kind of nice when you know he finally decided to confess his involvement to the others. Uh, there was a the play a whole lot to balance with this character, and uh, Eric did a really good job to nail Did a really great job nailing it. And if I make Frank, he was probably the best performance in the whole dub. So uh, good job, Eric. Mm-hmm.
0: The legendary uh, pooping scene. I'm so glad that you got to utter those lines <laughs> on camera. I mean, on microphone.
3: I mean, I have no shame. So sure, go <laughs> <Yeah>. ahead.
4: <laughs> all right, um, you're all set, right, Jet? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Um. So yeah, I I think um Eric fails Gakuto is probably one of the more solid, if not the most solid performance in the show. Um, I, I love the fact that he has sort of a regal tone to his voice. Um, (coughs) sort of akin to that, that quirk that you have to do when you overdub like samurai movies. Um, because, um, if you don't know, for anime like, um, Ronnie Kenshin, when they, they dubbed that, um, in order to sort of imitate the sort of, um, country bumpkin-ass accent that, um, that Kenshin uses to obfuscate the fact that he is this trained assassin, um, he sort of uses this, um, He talks very fast and loose, but also does the, like, um, the yup-yup-yup kind of thing.
3: Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember how they translated that for the bugger.
4: Yeah, um, this is sort of the exact opposite of that, because um, in this case, um, Eric Vale is trying to play this with a sense of nobility to it, even though, you know... (laughs) <laughs> the character of Gakuto is anything but. I mean, um. Now, refresh my memory, because it's been a couple weeks since I've watched the show. Um, it was Gakuto's idea to snoop on the girls in the, uh, in the locker room, right?
0: Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. I don't,
3: I don't well, remember who
0: it In exa- episode I don't one, it was yeah, exa- yeah, he was the. I don't ring remember if
3: it was exactly him, but he, de- but he definitely was way to get,
4: right. So I mean, he he's no saint, but then you grow to endear to him <laughs> through the course of the show, especially when he's making the speech about how he has put seven years of his reputation on the line for this action figure. Um, basically shitting his britches in order to create a <laughs> fart sound effect for um, for Kiyoshi to be able to escape out into the real world and get him this figure. Um, I, I love his freakouts about, you know, the seven years of his life uh, basically being thrown down the drain. But at the same time, um, when push came to shove and... It was the figure or his friendship with Kiyoshi. He smashed the figure oh, and man. was basically just, um, you know, seven years of my life is nothing if I don't have my pride as a man. And that was, like, really good. I I really love the character of Gakuto. Um, Eric Vale did a really great job with him. Um, absolutely hilarious. Pitch perfect. Thumbs up.
2: Okay, Jamal.
5: Well, he suddenly ruined the nickname Chocolate Thunder for me now.
4: <laughs> oh my god. The Thunder I mean, I from down mean. under
5: I mean that's that's not to say he's the bud the jokes, you know. Mm.
2: <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta let it all out.
5: But <laughs> hey, at least we let know what at least we know now what can Brow do for you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: all right all right enough with Man, the fart jokes jamal let her crack
5: <laughs> yes i'll let her rip anyway uh yeah so ericville is is gakuto it's funny uh, with 200 episodes i don't think i've ever once talked about ericville at all to the best of my ability.
4: um jamal beat x
5: Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it's been a while, Roots. So.
4: Fair. It's, it's been a decade of a year.
5: Anyway, so yeah, Ericville, yeah, he's always pretty much... At this point, he's pretty much typecast as the Pervy high school student if you've seen him in recent shows lately, but... Seeing him here, he just this pretty much seems to be cakewalking the half for him because Kakuto... <gasps> Gakuto really goes out there, like, he goes the distance, like, from not only being the uh, cause of the problem when the boys land in prison, to be the root of the problem, no, for- when well, he goes from being the cause of the problem to, for- to the solution of the problem, because <laughs> while having some, uh, let's just say his containment kind of drove, drove him a lot crazy, I mean, for what's sakes, having a rap battle with Chris George, that was kind of hilarious. Uh, shitting your pants, uh, eating grasshoppers, getting stabbed in the forehead, getting decked by both Mako and Hada
3: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what do you really think about it, I think he suffers more physical punishment than even Kiyoshi does.
5: That is one physical challenge that I would not like to do. <laughs> but, in, but in the heart of it, Gakuto is... Uh, not only a very complex character, but he is... He can be a very relatable character when push comes to shove. Because, as Roots pointed out, the the whole major turning point to me was uh, the figurine. Because I didn't actually think in the many years he would break something he'd love. But, I guess, you know, pride is more important to him than his dignity or his sanity. Not his knowledge, because that comes with the territory. But Eric did a very good job, as Gokuto. I mean, yeah, we act, we do get to see uh, more of him in these types of roles, but it's, it's not the same kind of feeling, you know I mean? Also, uh, before we move on, just other why I want to ask, where the hell did they get those tight-ass uniforms in the show?
2: It is a mystery that we'll never know.
5: I would bet we probably should never watch it, though, either. But anyway, probably, I'm done. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done, so. All
0: right. Noah. Well, to go off of Jamal's point about uh, getting to talk about Eric Vale on this podcast, all I'll say is I like this show a heck of a lot better than First Love Monster. <clears throat> uh,
5: who doesn't? Don't, don't ever break that show in here, Ricky Bobby. Don't break that evil up in here now.
0: I, I didn't know I, did. I, I brought the Eric I Vail. don't.
5: I don't want to remember that show exists. But now you do, and now you can't forget. You're welcome.
0: What can I say except you're welcome. Fuck you. Later. (laughs) So, this entire performance is indeed the heart and soul of the show. I mean, Kiyoshi may be the pretty boy poster child, but Eric's performance is basically what you keep watching the show for. And there was a fear, I remember, in the first episode that his character would basically be resorted only to uh, crude or perverted antics throughout the whole show because he was the one who instigated the peeping on the girls in the shower in the very first episode. Which, again, we're not here to kink shame, but to be fair, you know, treat your fellow classmates with respect. Uh, luckily, though, his antics uh, pivoted more towards the fanatical obsession with the Three Kingdoms figurine throughout the whole show. Uh, the first half of the show and really the pain he goes through the tactics he thinks up the lego interpretations of his plans god i love that little part in the animation yeah. all make him a really fun character to watch even if uh, he, he goes to the most me dismembering, dismembering the most blood the most crap all the blottedly fluids uh eric pulls it off really well in the way that Sounds, he sounded like he was having fun. I can't imagine that you would look at this, uh, the writing in the show, like what uh, he has to go through, or his schemes, or his entire arc, as it were. If, if you can even call it an arc, and take it entirely seriously. But there's so much heart to it that you can't not like it. And my favorite little bit is the moment where, it's like in the midpoint of the show, where he is worried that Kyoshi did not actually get his figurine that he broke out of the school to get in the first place. And we in the audience are thinking the same thing because oh no, he got back to school early. His heart broken. Oh god, he, he didn't do it, did he? He just pussied out and didn't get it. But then we see, no, no, I got it. It's right over there. And Eric's entire performance of just adulation of glee of finally getting this limited figurine made it all so worth it. So, do I have any qualms? No, I don't have any qualms with Eric's performance of this. Do I think that he should do more f- spastic fanatical roles like this? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, he is perfectly awesome as Yuki in Fruits Basket, but, you know, he can do this part really well, too. So if he does more like this, I will be totally there for it. More of this, please. Uh,
2: did anyone else, I may be alone in this, but during Dokato's various, you know, fanatic rages where he just goes crazy... Did anyone else Hear a bit of like a high pitched David Wall vibe?
5: In like what uh, like kind of? I have to
4: rewatch it now that you mention it.
5: I watched yeah. it all today. David Wall never once crossed my mind.
4: I,
3: I mean, I, the- I mean, okay. I mean, I can hardly hear it now that you say it. But
5: yeah, there's something
2: about. Something about just, you know, how over the top his speech is and how his voice is kind of gravelly, kind of like David's naturally is. And this is just a little bit higher pitched. Like I could definitely see David almost doing this role as well. But uh, good. yeah. But anyways. Oh, yeah. I just I have to I'm in agreement with everyone. Gakuto is is easily the funniest character, in my opinion, on the entire show. And, um, I think that's largely due to Eric's performance and, and his over the top act antics. And, uh, uh, we've heard, uh, Eric already in a lot of comedic roles. And this one is one of the standouts because I don't think it's like anything else he has ever done in his career. So, uh, kudos to him. That's all I have to say. Uh, and finally, we are now down to our main character. We have Kiyoshi. Uh, He is basically the straight man to the five. He seems to be the one doing... He seems to be the most innocent one, the least perverted. But at the same time, he is still a teenage boy, and he has his urges. And even though he tries his best, he gets wrapped up in a lot of crap. That is not his fault. And he's just trying to make... uh, He's just trying to get by with his quick wits... And his uh, and his um, his quick thinking, and he's just Kiyoshi did nothing wrong. Uh,
3: I mean, I'm well, he did like, one like, thing wrong. Uh, okay, I mean, like, like okay, he did a lot. That he did a lot that of wasn't wrong intentional, was though.
5: Around. You know, the quote knocked him off the tree. So
3: I mean, okay, okay, okay I mean, not, okay, not even getting into everything that happened with him and Hada. He did a lot of things wrong, but I'll get to, but I mean, I'll get to that. In a <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyways playing our main character kiyoshi is austin Tyndall, who you've heard as conic Kane- is ken kaneki in tokyo ghoul and also the lay the main role in is this a zombie uh playing off another other perverted semi-perverted character um so oh, you
0: oh 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 hardy hardy my man you missed the perfect perverted character to use for austin Tyndall which is that? He plays a character who is quite literally nicknamed the pervert in Bento. Ah, that's right. Ah, Yosato. Yes. Yeah. Not, not even. I mean, not his. I, own. I
4: still need to watch that.
0: I, it's been a while oh, since I've seen it. It is the best. I
4: watched thing it sub that, back in the day, but I never got around to the dub. I can,
0: I can recommend that.
2: All right. So, uh, Jet, why don't you start us off?
3: Okay. Uh, So, like Clifford Chapin, it's hard to think of a time where Austin Tindall wasn't a household name, Uh, but compared to where Clifford was at this point in his career, Austin was definitely a lot more well-known by the time this stuff came out, Uh, even if his biggest thing back then was still probably Guilty Crown. That being said, I definitely associate him more with, you know, standard anime protagonists and comedy leads, Uh, but in a way, that kind of helps to make this, this particular performance work. Uh, on the surface, you know, Kiyoshi seems like, you know, your very typical vanilla harem lead in that, you know, he's very seemingly nice compared to the other boys. You know, he sees early value, his friends, he doesn't see him as perverted. Uh, but in reality, Kiyoshi is kind of as terrible as the other four, if not more so. And also, his performance uh, definitely nails up to a T, as he, you know, he flips between Kiyoshi, you know, pretending to be very upright and righteous Whatever things get very dramatic. And also, him just being secretly motivated by nothing but boobs the entire time. Like, seriously. As much as, you know, as much as the relationship between him and Shio might seem very pure, keep in mind that it's only a thing because Kyoshi's been lying behind his teeth the entire time about being into into sumo, and he technically still is even now. And about the only reason why Kyoshi isn't isn't the actual worst of the five is that more than anything else, is just really, really dumb, and Austin's performance definitely sells. How much Kiyoshi just getting by on his kid of his teeth in nearly every situation he's in. And it's definitely pretty hilarious to watch. Also, had has so many great scenes throughout the show that it's kind of hard to pick any one moment he really excelled in. Uh, but the funniest bit with him is definitely the whole Mexican standoff between him and Han towards the finale. And the way he over-dramatized suing for his case was definitely one of, one of the biggest highlights of the whole dub. And it's one of the primary reasons I will say by that terrible ship. I don't care again, fight me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but again, well, that and a lot of the weird stuff that goes be between him and the back half of the manga. But again, uh, Austin was definitely a lot of fun here. And even though he wasn't quite the center of the cast, he, he definitely wants an impression. And again, like, and again, despite what the show might want you to think, Kiyoshi definitely is definitely as bad as the other five. I'm done.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, roots.
4: Yeah, so Austin Tindall plays uh, Kiyoshi as... A very, very lovable scumbag. Um, and I I absolutely love the fact that the show does not go out of its way to tell you that Kiyoshi is a scumbag. You have to find that out by watching the entire first episode. It's wonderful. Um, I would have to say my favorite scene is, um, him facing off against the um, against the chairman when he give uh, when the chairman gives him the Sphinx's riddle about you know do you like um, breasts or butts and why I I love the the sort of sweaty face panic that goes through him and then just with such a serious you know, with with JoJo's bizarre adventure levels of seriousness um, (laughs) goes through the explanation of why he while lying through his teeth also mind you about why butts are better because he saw the chairman's porn stash and knew the answer beforehand but I I just absolutely adore that scene. It's absolutely hilarious at just how over-the-top they get it. Um, also his interactions... Now, Roots,
0: was it a sphinx's riddle or a sphincter riddle? Get out. Get out! Okay. Okay. Back in the cage! (laughs)
4: Ah, my home. Um, but I also really love his interactions with Hana. Um... I also love the fact that despite everything, he kind of earned the comeuppance he gets against the underground student council. Um, just from all the work that had to be laid out for the, you know, for the, the plan. It, I, I love this performance. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, You know, while I think Gakuto is the most well-put-together performance of the show, um, Austin... Sorry. Austin Tindall's Kiyoshi is by far the funniest.
2: Okay. Uh, Jamal.
5: Yeah. Much like Jay, I can't think of a time when Austin Tyndall was at the household name, but I like everybody. My introduction to him was as a... Accelerator the certain magical index, and Accelerator was fucking nuts. Woo-wee! Boy, if we ever talk about him one day, I can tell you. But, Austin the, the, the probably the, he was the, he had to be the craziest out of all of them. I mean, he, yeah, he's probably the most sane out of the five, even though, yeah, he did come off as a scumbag at, at times, definitely. But, I think he's the most sane, and probably the one of the most competent, because, you know, he gets isolated from his boys in the first episode for, uh, I guess, not getting the punishment or so, or get, because I know Andre was really obsessed with why to lick the vice president's boots. Anyway, I'm getting a little off track here, but I, Austin kind of has to handle these oh shit moments, and he does them very well. A couple of my favorites being, uh, of course, the, last arc in the last couple of episodes, to which he had one of my favorite lines, don't worse out, whip it out. <laughs> Speaking of which, ironically enough, one of my other favorite moments was with him and Hannah, the bathroom star, and she's trying to watch him pee, to the point that he just pretty much exhales when he, she pulls down his pants, and it just kind of transitions into the vice president, taking a drink from the fountain I was like... <laughs> oh
4: my gosh. If there's nothing else that this show is good at, it is framing.
5: Yeah, because I've always seen that What one other show he did recently, but we're not talking about it. That. i, it and I
3: I'm like, oh yeah, we haven't talked about it, but uh, the director for this show, uh, one Sanji but you might know him for doing a little indie project called Shiro Paco. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs>
5: That explains a lot.
4: <laughs> yeah. That is-
5: I'm sorry you lost me at Cheryl Parker. I'm like, what well, Cheryl Parker's <laughs> not rated R, so...
3: <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's just making that association it's just amazing. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah. But speaking of association, uh, his, his report, Austin's report with the other members of his crew, it's like... It's kind of like a dynamic that could really be beaten. I think he bounced off the other actors very well. You can definitely tell he gave it his all, and then some. But it kind of prevails in the end, and yeah, I kind of wish they did, uh, animate the back, the other half of this manga trap, because... I really want to know, like, where's it gonna go after this? Because after that edit, it's like Yoshi, more Kyoshi. I really identify with Kyoshi. Uh, in some ways.
3: Uh, yeah, like there's there's one scene in particular between him and the president that I really want to see animated. Like I should, like I showed you it in the Discord, but like, it, it's just one of those things you have to see to believe.
5: This entire show is something you have to see to believe, but I'll get to that in Final Thoughts. For right now, I'm done with my thoughts on Kiyoshi, so... Alright.
0: Noah, you're up. Let's see, something interesting to say about Austin Tindall that hasn't already been said. Um, Well, the thing about uh, this kind of lead character, this sort of, like, yeah, yeah, vanilla lead, unoffensive male character... It's more golden than vanilla, so... Uh, yes, it is. But, um, you know, we're trying to keep this Christian here. Um, this entire... Motherfucker, have you seen this show? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I was just waiting for that reaction, actually. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the reaction I was looking for. Oh, boy. Um, Austin's, uh, uh, arc throughout this whole thing is or kiyoshi's arc throughout this whole thing austin wasn't the actual character there's a difference between actor and character people kiyoshi's arc throughout this whole thing uh really seems to be just trying to make the most of the bad situation where you know you've been thrown in prison sure but i got a crush on a girl i gotta go on a date with her and that wouldn't come off quite right if kiyoshi uh his acting was uh over the top in all of his lines he has to be played straight for the most part but we do need little bits and pieces where uh he uh shows his more perverted or more spastic side and we see that uh, all throughout things like uh uh, chio shoves him into her boobs at one point and he's like whoa like or he makes the jean reference and those little bits really help to pepper up Austin's performance and makes it into something more than just your standard male lead character. I kind of almost want to think of like the—I I forget that his name name—but the lead character, uh, the normal character in Cromarty High School, who has to deal with the insanity he's been thrown into. It's kind of like that, and overall, pretty good job um, from Austin. I again, I am a little sorry that we didn't get more. Animation of this because it sounds like the second half of the manga gives us uh, even more comeuppance for the underground student council. So no, no but again, maybe in twenty thirty we'll finally get that. Yes, oh, like, yeah, but like that arc yeah, like, is okay, interesting.
3: Yeah, like, like, like that arc is interesting. Like like as fun as this stuff is like. The the follow up kind of blows all of this out of the water if you can believe it.
0: Yeah, and it <laughs> I, did it feel like to you guys like in that very last episode that even if that was what happened in the manga that they were they were cutting it off with the intention of having a second season.
3: And as I said, as uh, yeah, I definitely felt that way. Like, the three days showed are, like, the antagonists for the remainder of the manga.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, when you introduce those characters, I mean, I, I, with B stars, you know, they actually showed new characters showing up, and we are like, okay, there will be a season two. I assumed that that was going to happen with Prison School. We just never got it.
4: Well, that's because the director... Uh, the director doesn't do much anymore. Every... I think he's like Sayo Yamamoto, where he just shows up every couple of years to make a show and then
3: disappears. Uh, the... Oh no, T D B T D B does plenty stuff. If anything, he does too much stuff. That's a problem.
0: I don't know. It just there's a lot of these. I, I honestly, okay, I'll be honest. I didn't think the lack of a sequel was due to like the lack of there being good material to animate. I honestly thought that maybe it just didn't pull the numbers it needed. Like, you saw stuff like High School of the Dead is another example, where there was clearly more content there, but they just never animated more of it. And I don't... I never well, figured High out School
4: was... of the Dead also ran into the I, problem where the mangaka kind of I, unfortunately passed but, away.
0: Yeah, but not not till years after the anime.
4: Mm, fair.
0: Well,
2: I mean, he also... The, the world was kind of... Uh... I think some catastrophe had happened. It may have been the tsunami, and um, he uh, he decided. I think the the reason was that he uh, he decided the world didn't really need something as dark and and despair as as High School of the Dead at that time. Really, so. Yeah. That's that's from what I've heard. Okay. And so he put it <laughs> off, and a, yeah, then later he a, he sadly
0: passed away. It's plausible.
3: That, yeah, uh, right, yeah, I think the anime did do pretty all right. I mean, it had the Note director on it, so I mean... It,
0: it did. <laughs> and it was good enough to at least get an OVA, which was not bundled with the manga. So, yeah, you may have... There may be some credence to that theory, Hardy. Speaking of Hardy, um, thoughts yes. on Kyoshi?
2: Uh, again, I've been brief this entire time, and... I think you guys all nailed it on the head that, uh, this was one of Austin's, uh, titular roles before he became a household name. And (laughs) I think he, (laughs) yeah, we were all
5: thinking it. So (laughs) yeah, whatever you're talking about,
2: but, uh, but yeah, he does a really good job, makes Kiyoshi sound believable. And even though. Kyoshi's kind of a dick and kind of a scumbag in real life i think he's he's probably the most relatable of all of us because yeah let's be honest when are we not a little bit pervy sometimes
5: oh look at your friends and be like what the fuck is wrong with you
2: Mm-hmm. yep so uh inmates are we ready to move on to final thoughts
0: let's uh, do challenge. it sir yes sir bring all it on. right
2: bring it on jet
3: Okay, just a second. Let me pull my notes back up. Okay, so uh, as I said before, Prison School is a really, really stupid show that is also somehow a really compelling suspense thriller. Uh, and it somehow manages to draw a very delicate balance between the two. And uh, the way it does is in its commitment to how overly dramatic it is about literally everything that happens in it, no matter how silly it is. And uh suddenly does something I don't think quite totally translated into the dub, and I felt with the adapter script tried uh, maybe a little too hard to add humor into a joke that already kind of worked pretty well on its own, and at least for me, kind of missed the point a little bit. It's kind of insane because I think there are a lot of really strong performance, a lot of really strong and very funny performances here. And as only look kind of I wasn't entertained by my rewatch, uh, but I'm an even bigger fan of the initial joke. And seeing it kind of get lost in translation makes it hard for me to personally give this a full recommendation. Uh, personally, if I were recommending the show to someone new, I would probably tell them to watch it in Japanese first because it gets a Joker crowds a little better, um, and it's also so pretty funny on soon. Uh, but if you are interested in watching the show on the show in English, this is definitely decent. En- this is definitely decent enough, and uh, and again, it is so very funny. I just kind of wish it got the material a little better. And yeah, I'm done.
2: Yeah, fair. Uh, inmate Roots.
4: <laughs> All right, so. Prison School kind of has a special place in my heart. Um, were it, as the intro of the show kind of implied, um, this was my first episode of Dub Talk. Um, I would literally not be here if not for Prison School. So, I owe a lot to this show. Um, I, I, the show itself is a load of fun. Um, all of these knuckle-headed boys um, get into a bunch of trouble. Um, they are absolutely hilarious interacting with each other. And the Underground Student Council. Um, I would honestly recommend watching the simulcast version. Um, even if you watch the, the uncut version first... Um, just because it actually feels like an entirely different experience with the censorship. Um, as we've been saying throughout the course of the episode, um, the fan surface is meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, so having that censorship put into place, it actually kind of, like, it makes it, it amplifies the discomfort. Um... But in any case, um, I found the dub hilarious. I performances were, for the most part, really good, uh, with some minor nitpicks. Um, I don't think it deserves the level of ire it got when it first, when the dub was first airing for, you know what? Um, but yeah. I I really love the show, and I actually really do like the dub.
5: All right. Inmate Jamal, your thoughts? So I'll be honest. I'm not really a fan of dark comedies, but when the material works, it actually kind of works. Uh, what The Prison School is one of those shows – it's not one of those shows where you like – You kind of see someone get into situation, a sticky situation. You're like, eh, probably yeah, this alright." So it's it's not really that big deal, though. This is one of those "oh shit" kind of situations where you don't know exactly what's gonna happen next. Matter of fact, some of the big, big shot, big moments I've seen, the big shocking moments, happened in the first three episodes. So that should get you response. Uh, If you are someone is like that, does like. Dark comedies, like something like it's always sunny Philadelphia, or uh, Cubby Enthusiasm, kind of thing, or hell, even Seinfeld. I would suggest, I would suggest watching this. Uh, not as much though, because I've watched this three times already. And when you get kind of get past like some of the really tough stuff, the comedy kind of mellows everything out very well. It, it, the dub is very enjoyable. I mean, I would agree. It doesn't deserve the ire it got. You know, I, mean, I, I, I again, I understand the context, but you could have picked better wording for that. Again, if you want to know, just type the seventh letter of the alphabet twice. So, but what, I, but what I feel is strongly, what I feel strong at, what it's its is strong was as best as with the dubcaster because a lot of these players you see. You do really see them go outside the comfort zone this often. And that's one thing I like about the Funmation Dubs. Because whereas in other Dubs, it's kind of like, kind of chill. But it feels like it's missing something. Here in the Mation dub, they know when to go the distance and know when to hold back. So, you know, you get probably the most maximum enjoyment out of any comedy dub you've ever seen. And I really respect them for that. Even if we don't always see eye to eye on things, so. I'm done. Okay. Inmate Noah, your final thoughts. Jet, I'm glad you mentioned
0: Shirabaka because um, I actually had some issues with that show. Um, not exactly the dub itself, but I didn't quite like that the show wasn't as. What dub?
5: <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I was about to say, what dub? <laughs> I, oh, like, God. Did oh, I, I, I wake be, up in is an there adult, dimension? Noah? Is there something uh, okay, you're not okay, okay, telling okay, us, Noah? No,
3: Noah. Okay, no, am I going to have to hurt you? No,
0: no, no. Sorry, I'm. That's not what I was thinking of. Sorry. It's what? What time is it? It's late at night. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm gonna restart this. Whoever's editing this, cut that part out, please. Save it for your personal file, but take it out. Let me restart no. that.
3: <clears throat> no, no, you don't get to take that back. You hurt me. <laughs>
0: It will come eventually. We've gotten dubs for things that didn't have it for a while. I mean, I waited years for the Anohana dub. You can wait a little longer for the Shirobaka dub.
4: Just keep anyways, moving. I meant
0: to, I meant to say Shimoneta. Sorry about that. Because I had issues with Shimoneta as far as it was trying to be. Uh, almost commentative, while also being skeevy and sexual at the same time. This show is just skeevy and sexual for the fun of it. If you've uh, if you're you've seen something like Elf and Lead before, you and you, you realize the fan service gets kind of so obtuse at some point that you don't even notice it after a while. That's kind of what uh, this show's fan service is like, and the dub itself also just goes over the top in enough places that it's perfectly enjoyable. With the kind of content. I I think it takes some of the edge off of the more graphic scenes. Because, I mean, I don't think we enjoyed watching the five main characters get beat all to hell. We didn't really enjoy watching a guy crap his pants. But we watched it because we wanted to know, goddammit, are they going to escape? Are they going to make it out of light? And are they going to make it to the wet t-shirt contest at the end of the show that never happened? That is what you're in it for. And for these actors to... totally put their balls to the wall to make it happen for us in a simul dub, no less not like something that had to be done on a much tighter schedule is commendable i think you could probably watch it maybe once just to say that you've seen it through and if you watch it more than that then i guess that there's something in there for you to enjoy so that and now we can finally once we get through hardy's thoughts cross this one off of the lost episode list
2: when this show first aired, we the three original members, uh, Stephanie, Megan, and myself, were tossing around the idea of whether to cover it or not. Because Stephanie was absolutely 100% against watching it. So basically she said, if you want to cover it, you're going to have to get your own a group together to do it. And I did. Um, later on when Stephanie was trying to find out uh, shows to watch just for fun I suggested prison school and at first she was hesitant I think we actually had to make a wager that I would watch something that she picked out if she would watch prison school Yep. and I'm like trust me I think you'd like it a lot more than you're giving it credit for And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then she started to watch it. And at the end, she's like, holy crap. I think I actually like prison school (laughs) because one of the good things it does is it's a thriller. You Mm -hmm. don't realize that it is. There are moments to where it is actually heart pumping. Oh, my God. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to go on. Holy crap. I need to know. Oh, no. It's a cliffhanger. We have to wait till next week. Oh, yep. what's gonna happen?
5: It'll uh, have you bite the seat of your hmm. pants.
2: Yeah, yeah, you'll crap your right. pants like Gakador if you're not careful. But. Like, oh, oh
3: yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's something like I didn't mention it at any point, but it probably is worth <laughs> mentioning. Like, okay, like this is a 12 episode show, but they somehow cover what essentially like somewhere around a realm of 70 <laughs> to 80 chapters of the manga. <laughs> Jeez! Wow. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah, that yeah that that bugaboo is really
2: slowly so yeah prison school is raunchy it's gross it's a little bit maybe on the sexist side but it is a damn good thriller at heart and any show that can combine those elements is worth watching if you can if you can sit through some of the grosser parts um and I think the dub really complements it well. There are some parts of the dub that don't really work, but as a whole, if you want to watch this show in English, uh, you, I definitely would recommend it. If you want you need to watch it in Japanese, either either way, if you can sit through the fancier, very parts and the and the more scatological parts, uh, you'll find at its core a very darn good thriller. And that's why people, I don't think. Prison Skull gets enough praise as it is, because it is such a good thriller hidden in the facade of this gross little gross out show. Anyways, that's all I have to say. So, with that in mind, inmates, get back in your cages. Come on, get back. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, get at what what did I say? Yes, uh, sir. Alright. First, before we go hit lights out, if you want to know where we are, um, Inmate Jet, how can people find you?
3: Uh, they can find me on the Twitters, uh, at Divine Nega, where I will usually be uh, talking about anime or cartoons or something, I guess. Uh, you can also occasionally find me on my blog, Animation Infinity, where I will sometimes write things. I'm uh, currently uh, doing first impressions on all the spring season stuff. And uh, you can also sometimes find me on uh, another podcast, Podcast O&A, with uh, Dubtop co-host Andrew, uh, where we will just uh, usually feed the breeze and talk about anime news. All
2: right. Inmate Roots, where are you found?
4: Yeah, so you can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice, where I mainly just retweet cute animal pics, talk general fandom stuff. Uh, it's a good time. You should probably come over. Say hi. Um, I'm working on writing. Um doing some reviews for Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and uh, what we do in the shadows. I'd also... I'm probably also gonna try to start doing um, a little bit of seasonal anime reviews. (coughs) Um, I have a blog, and when I'm finally doing all that, I will um, post that to my Twitter. Um, In the meantime, though, I am probably gonna go go to Buxton, Maine to find a rock that doesn't belong there uh, to take a can of money and go to various <laughs> banks and extract <laughs> money that was <laughs> that was embezzled and go join my friend to build boats in Januantaneo, Mexico.
2: Right now you ain't going nowhere because of this darn quarantine. But anyways. Fair. Uh, yeah. Uh, inmate Jamal.
5: Uh, you can find me on YouTube at jabstar or Twitter at Jabstar529. I'm an assistant editor for the podcast. Uh, Blogs Collected does. I plan to start my own podcast soon. I may need some help with that. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, I'm experiencing my old prison school mentality uh, doing IT courses. But And this month. Because it's April 2020, I'm doing uh, anime view that is highest balls, and for some reason, half of the poll wants me to watch Pop Team Epic first, and then watch it
2: immediately again immediately afterwards.
5: Nah, it's one show a week, so it's Pop Team Epic. Yeah, I got some other shows out there, so I've one I there stuff, including what route will definitely like, but. That's pretty much what I'm up to nowadays.
2: To get the full Pop Team Epic experience, you technically have to watch the show three times. Uh, Once with the English dub, once with uh, Crunchyroll subs, and a third time
0: with High Dive subs. Okay, Inmate Noah, where can we find you at? You can follow me on Twitter at no Clue, where uh, I like to post pictures of my children because when you have cute kids, you get to post pictures of them. Like today, where Oliver decided to run around the yard when a freak snowstorm hit because it's April in Michigan and we don't know what spring is. And you can also follow me on my YouTube channel, which is Journey Traveler, uh, mostly covering stuff for animation if I find the time to do that because there is a wide world out there beyond the prison bars of the Japanese animation system that you should definitely check out.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. Uh, I need to post more goat pictures. Basically, I retweet a lot of Final Fantasy art and do angry rants every once in a while about Aniplex and other BS in the anime community. Uh, I'm also a, a moderator, both on Funimation's website and on their Discord. So if you want to come by either the forums or the Discord and shoot the shit, then just hit me up. Uh, finally, before we leave, we need to thank our wonderful patrons um we as you know can are be uh, are can be found at the main youtube channel which you're probably watching right now uh you can follow us on twitter at dub talk podcast uh we have a twitch account which we occasionally will play jackbox games and stuff like that on uh, we also have a coffee account if you'd like to send us a donation as well as a patreon account if you'd like to send us a donation to help us keep doing this wonderful thing we do every week. And and to read off our patrons, we have B. Morris, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Carly lystacal Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2 aka Jared, Julia W, Marissa Linti, Nico Robin, but with yowie hands, and we B. So special thanks to all those people. You are awesome.
0: Thank you so all much. Right. Thank you.
2: Thank all you. Alright, right, inmates, back in your cells. It's time for lights out.
0: Yes Master. God, Brother say Master.
2: Oh, oh right.
5: good God.
2: Yeah, I don't want to hear any complaining. Alright. Uh,
5: right. you know, it's a hard dark life for us. Hey button. And dark...
4: <laughs> yeah. uh, no, right. you guys this excuse me, I high. got some munches and crunches.
3: It's a, it's a hard dog no. life for us Instead of kisses we get pissed. We get kicked <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And for and all of us here at the Dub Talk Penitentiary That's all folks Lights
0: out Otaku on my friend Good
4: night and otaku on
5: there dubbers Keep it painful <laughs> <laughs>
1: says you